You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. I'm having a good time. <laughs> exactly. Dude, this is new. This is new. Like you dude, you got really lucky to come in here on a day when we are like yeah. trying out something that might be a colossal failure, it's, but also it's brand new, yeah. It's brand new no, and it's I possibly can, I can feel the energy of everything before this all happened and it's I'm fucking pumped. It's exciting, dude. I'm like thrilled. Yeah. Uh welcome to episode seventy four. It's seventy four, right, Gordo? Indeed it is. It's episode 74 of the motherfucking podcast. This is, of course, the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively, the world's greatest opening band, (laughs) (laughs) and the world's lowest budget um, media empire. (laughs) Welcome to the show. This is the first time we've done uh, a live stream on YouTube Live. So, hello. Hi to everybody out there watching on YouTube. This is fucking exciting, man. We got Wiggins here from Yolo Rum is running our live stream today. Of course, we've got Gordo in the booth. Say hi, Gordo. Hello. And uh, and our guest today is a a good buddy of mine and man it just it seems like every week i've got to like ask someone how to pronounce their last name but uh a <laughs> good friend at of least mine, you ask yeah yeah the 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 i was corrected this is not the heavy metal audiologist this is the heavy metal instrument specialist because he's not a doctor but please welcome my buddy gianni to the show how do you pronounce your last name Thank you. Uh, it's De Giacomo. De Giacomo. Yeah, or Gianni Di Giacomo, if you want to be. I think De Giacomo sounds way cool. That's how we all say it, our family. So. Hey, De Giacomo! It's just like uh, last week when you had Ruben on. He was like, well, you can say it this way, but we're in America. Yeah, you know, yeah, So yeah. It's, like, it's De Giacomo. He's like, he's like, he's like uh, what did he say? He was like, it's Patino, but you guys don't yeah, have Enya's here. Exactly. So, uh, it, which is not true, because I have everything Enya ever put out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, that's the that's the zoom lot. The zoom lot, exactly. So uh, you you decided you didn't want to do any ice cream for this episode. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> you texted me for confirmation, and you're like, and I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm not taking uh, tripped out of space with any ice cream. Why me. not? <laughs> Why not? Karen wouldn't do it either. Dude, edibles are... All you need to uh, do is listen to Ruben's episode (laughs) to know what to expect from that. Say no to drugs, kids. For those of you who are watching on YouTube and are not longtime subscribers of the podcast, which you should be, by the way, hit that subscribe button, hit the uh, notification bell so you know when we do this again. If this all goes well and and Wiggins doesn't run screaming out of the building, we're going to make a habit out of this. So um, we had Ruben Patino from uh, Los Percheros and he was in Reno Divorce and now he's in uh, Egoista with Karen Kuda who they just had their first show with Strung Out in the Casualties this uh, last night I think and I, heard, I got a shout out No Takers as well 
No Takers. Yeah. Oh, he was in No Takers. No, no, well? no. The, the other, those other, there's a four build band. Oh, No <laughs> Takers. Were they the opener, opener, or were they, they were the... like second support, whatever the not oh, so... first band is? It's, okay. Yeah. So those, Ago... some, those are buddies uh, that I've been in bands and some other stuff. As Did well. you go to the show? No. <laughs> but I, I like, but they're my buddies, so I know I saw them posting all the stuff. You know, they're at the show. K- Karen's like, Karen's like, are you coming to the show? I'm like, no, I'm a, I'm a dad. I get out to do my own stuff, and that's Dude, dad it. Dad card. That's the the, I, the dad, dad pull that shit constantly. Dude, like, I love oh, the dad. You know, kids. My kid just turned 18 yesterday, so I'm like, <laughs> I have an adult now. Your kid is 18. 18 years really? old. Really? Wow. That's insane. Yeah, I was uh, a, a buddy of mine inv- invited me to a show, and I was just like, my whole excuse was just like, sorry, can't do it, dad stuff. That's it's it. A, it's fully, completely value, like validated, too. Like people, even, people don't even question it. They're like, oh, cool, I get it. Even if my wife is like, you can go do whatever you want. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> dad card. You've got an 18-year-old. Yeah. That's good. Aaliyah, and she's just, we just celebrated her birthday yesterday. Yeah, she's 18. I thought, like... First of all, when you when I found out that I was going to be a dad and you were uh, sending me congratulations, and you're like, "Welcome to the club!" Yeah. In my brain, I was going, "I didn't even know that he had a kid." <laughs> like, but you have an adult. You yeah. have a full on adult. Yeah. But yeah, like, um, so t- to catch people up, if you didn't happen to catch episode seventy two with Ruben Patino, uh, I gave him a very very strong cannabis ice cream before the episode, and it's like whole first part now did you listen to the whole episode i'm about 40 minutes into it so he's talking about peru where i'm at right now okay oh, he's, he's right at the sweet spot so yeah. you're at the sweet spot Dude, of the i mean show. even that has got me like hanging i mean like literally i've like i was telling you when i came in i was like i've been listening to the show and usually it's when i'm driving right. i don't have a very big commute right now so it's kind of like i'm breaking it up in little pieces you know right as, as there's a lot of content to go through but i imagine that <laughs> no it was a great episode and but you were definitely in the sweet spot because <laughs> after the break he comes back in and he's not nearly as animated <laughs> He's like nearly comatose. And I feel bad because I really I really wanted to promote the hell out of the guy, but the whole second part of the episode is just him high, 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 oh, high, man. high, I mean, high. And I, I'm going to totally like feel um, empathy for him because every time that I've done edibles, I mean, it's re- every now and then when I do edible, when I had done them, I'll be like, oh, I'm okay. It's not that bad. But there is more often than I have fucking freaked out and been like so stressed and like been like shaking in a bed kind of stuff. It's a rocky road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, actually, I think rocky road is one of the types of ice cream that we have. Was that, was that the literal flavor? <laughs> I, I think I think we have chocolate. I think we have rocky road. And I, I think we have like vanilla bean crunch or something like mm-hmm. that. Like we have multiple flavors. Like yeah. this sweet little old lady from Georgia. <laughs> Made Granny's ice creams, man. They're so good. That is awesome. I mean, I love the whole concept of it. I mean, well, you've got to you've got to build up your tolerance mm-hmm. for one, and number two, um, I had uh, I had some edibles on our last episode, and I can't. Gordo, what's the name on the that package up there on the speaker? What's the name of the company? What is it? Uh, midnight. Midnight. Oh, Midnight might be the name of the actual product, but. They have a whole line of products, whatever whatever this company is, whatever this brand is, where we, I, I did some of their stuff. 1906. 1906. 1906, New Heights. Okay, so 1906 edibles. They gave us a bunch of stuff because here at the Nug Nation, we work with we work with a bunch of different yeah. cannabis yeah, brands and things like that. So hey, everybody I, out there, dark chocolate for sleep. Yeah. Midnight. Oh, awesome. I'm actually probably going to take is some of those. Is it the Strain Midnight? I don't think it's the Strain. I think the they Strain have, Midnight, dude, is like. Knock you on your ass. Totally puts you to bed. Yeah. I think the strain thing's bullshit. 
Yeah. I, oh, I, do you? Yeah, I think the strain thing's bullshit. You know, you get different well, variations but of it. That's what, um, man, who was telling me this? Last time I was here, somebody, somebody we from, were the, talking from about that. Nug Nation was telling me about uh, Delta 8s and 9s. What are Deltas, Delta 8s and 9s? Well, you have to read about it on Leafly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I just think that because, because plants are so dynamic because they change so much. And I'm sure there's some some weed head in the comments, some, you know, horticultural, it, probably Joey is actually in the comments going, no, you're wrong, it's bullshit. <laughs> but I just, I feel like plants are so dynamic that, and their properties can change mm-hmm. so much that like the way that we have like tried to put strands into different boxes, yeah. I, I just, I don't know if, if you can really, do that with any degree of accuracy. Yeah, that's what I'm, it's, it's never consistent. I, I, I noticed I, that we would like be on a strain for months and months and months. All of a sudden one pop up and be like, it's not the same. Right, it, right. You know, it's totally different. You know, you think like if you harvest a whole bunch of it, that big harvest is going to be one way, but then. Right, right. right? It's, it, it's going to, I mean, you would think. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I have no list. I don't know. Right. But you I never know. Just, that, that chocolope could be different the next time around. It could be. <laughs> chocolope is, is the strain, the only strain that you trust, correct? For, for the most part, but actually, my bandmates, uh, OG Lime Cookie and uh, Grapefruit Romulan. Uh, I've, I've, <laughs> Grapefruit uh, That is made up. <laughs> You're making up names. It is, now. It is not. It is, it, that's Terry's favorite strain, and I've had both of those. Banana Cream now. Tricycle, you know, it really does a number on <laughs> Banana me. Banana Cream Tricycle. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Like, But with these. With these 1906 edibles, and I swear to God they didn't pay me to do a plug or anything, but <laughs> with these 1906 edibles, they are uh, 50-50 THC and CBD. Yeah. So what I, what I think a lot of the trouble that people are having with with edibles and with, and with pot in general mm-hmm. is they have been bred specifically to be really, really high in THC and almost nothing in terms of CBD. Right. And so you get these people that are like... People who are more prone to psychosis and schizophrenia are actually experiencing THC. I mean, I've heard, I've heard, you know, the sources may not be reliable, but I've heard that um, that it creates this like THC psychosis because you don't have the CBD leveling it out. And these are 50-50, so you get, you get the high from the THC, but then the CBD is like coming in and like cooling it out. Yeah. I had a little uh, CBD avocado oil before I left the Ooh. house. And I'm feeling pretty all right. Yeah, I love like yeah, yeah. I don't. I haven't done any in a while, like a really long time. But like CBD. See, I think you should just take one of those at the break. I think it. I think it'll. It, it won't be like Reuben on the on the ice cream. Yeah. Edibles aren't that scary. You just yeah. need to build up your tolerance. <laughs> so, uh, hey, I want to give a shout out to my man Gordo in the booth there, real quick. Hi. I'm really glad that you're here, buddy, to to share this. This is super exciting. Yeah, that's cool, man. To be able to do this. I hope we can do a lot going forward. You got to go see Greta Talk, right? Wow. Yes. How was that? Greta Thunberg. How was was the Greta Thunberg talk? Uh, You know, it was was actually, it was was very brief. It was on par with a lot of, you know, other things that I've seen from her. It was was really good, but I was really more struck by uh, the youth from our own community here. Right. It was really amazing. Like lots of indigenous, 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 (laughs) indigenous crabs, indigenous crabs. Yeah. Um, Lots of indigenous youth and LGBTQ youth, you know, like a lot of them, you know, uh, not a lot of them were, were super comfortable, you know, 
on a mic and much less in front of that many people. Right. It was a huge crowd. It looked like there. a huge crowd. Yeah, and and it was they did a great job, man. It was super. It was it was inspiring. It was really inspiring. So it was it was a bunch of different speakers, but the, the one thing that they had in common is they were all young people. Is that yeah, what it was? The vast majority of them, yeah. And they, they were young organizers and protesters and. Um, and it was a climate yeah. protest, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's amazing. And I have, I have this like sort of optimistic nihilism, you know, where like I I see our place in the universe as being very small and and insignificant. But I also have this like faith in humanity. You know, the uh, the the ecological consciousness movement, whatever you want to call it, has only really existed about fifty or sixty years, and just the progress that we have been able to make from like turning from the damage that we did since the beginning of the industrial revolution, just the amount, like what we've been able to do, turning things around. We're like really, we're really close to eradicating, you know, the, the like big four or five communicable diseases on the planet. And we're getting really close to eradicating some of the, uh, some of the damage that we're doing to the ocean and and just to the planet in general and just being able to like seeing that level of consciousness and activism to me is is indicative of of greater things to come. Like I know I know the the tone and the narrative is a lot of like we gotta do something and we're all gonna die, but I like <laughs> I see action happening happening as a result, and to me it's it's really inspiring. I think the best thing that can happen is that you can just draw more people in, you know, to the conversation. Yeah. Draw more people in and yeah, to the conversation and just, you know, create more awareness. Even if the conversation is an argument, like I think that the fact that there is heated discourse going on globally across across all subjects, um, you know, that that affect us as a species is I I just think I find it very encouraging. I know there's a lot of. people who are kind of uh, there's a bit of a fixation on doomsday scenarios right right now and i don't know if that's i think i don't know if that that's the reality of how things are really going down i see a lot of i see a lot of moves in the right direction personally and i kind of uh, subscribe to the belief that um you know the planet's going to be okay humans aren't right (laughs) right 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 if we don't do something about it Right. Yeah, it's always on my mind. I mean, the more that this kind of conversation has been kind of spinning around and doing all that stuff, like even just when I'm recycling and I'm throwing stuff away, when we're purchasing stuff at the house, you know, all those different things like that, you're just kind of, it's really in the peripheral right now for me. I'm always mm-hmm. thinking about it, you know, whatever version of it um, that it may be. Um, but it's always kind of on your mind, always on the tip of your tongue, you know, it's like, and it's kind of crazy that there's this, there's people reaching out that are actually denying it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that. There's like there's not. Yeah, this is one of the only places on earth where it's actually a debate. I I feel like they're just. Yeah, that's what's it's insane to me. I mean, it's really it's like people really are believing that like you know oh we can just dump all this shit in the ocean and like nothing's ever gonna happen. They're just just, a very loud minority though. It's crazy. Like um, it it bothers me a lot, you know. But I sent I sent you over that um, that that Atlantic article about uh the the survey on on political correctness. And I think that those numbers can apply across multiple strata. Like, I think that there are a very small number of people who are just like 
truly beyond help ignorant, a very small amount. And then there are a small amount of people like two to 5% of the population on either side that are devoted to activism at the extremes. And I think that 80% give or take are people who are kind of in the middle going like, okay, okay, yes, we agree. We need to, we need to start being more mindful of this. We're just sick of the, the, uh, the intensity and the, and the vitriol in the, in the discourse, you know what I mean? But you need that to like, you need those noisy people to draw attention yeah, to the, the discussion. You, you, need, right. you need the polls to kind of, you know, right to meet out where everything is falling in the middle. But it's like, I don't know, man. I think that uh, the numbers just don't, I mean, like it, human thought is just kind of more nuanced, you know, it's right. like, you know, in general. And I just think that I don't really trust anybody that doesn't change their opinion you know, over right. time. So you can, yeah, you can that? be thinking what one way and you can be convinced of something else and you can have a conversation and you can, there can be nuance to a, well, discomfort a is scary. Argument, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. I mean, yeah. I mean, my daughter has very like public with it or not public with it, but very in, like uh, worked out by it in different ways. And it's right. one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's like, that's a really great point when you say like, my opinion has changed f from a lot of things through the course of my life. I'm 35 years old. I mean, my opinions have changed on many things this week. Seriously. Yeah. That's one of those things where it's like, look, I'm never right. And I'm always learning. And I'm always right. like, you know, going to, that's just what, how I feel. I, I kind of try to live my life that way where right. there should not be a reason that you're like, okay, it's just been this way and it's always going to be this way. And if not, you're wrong. You know, who, like that's, that should not be the, the discourse. Here. So I have, I have like probably mentioned this Kierkegaard quote. A few mm -hmm. times on the show, but Kierkegaard says this thing about uh, when staring into the abyss, one should expect to feel a certain amount of dizziness. And I think that there is a fear surrounding that dizziness. You know, there's a fear surrounding uh, confusion mm -hmm. when confusion is a sign of learning. Like if you were confused about a subject, like I listen to thing, I listen to podcasts by intellectual public figures where I am almost always out of my depth. And I was like, I started feeling stupid because I was like, man, I can retain so little of this. I get the general point. It guides my behavior and it helps me in certain ways. But if I were to go and try and repeat to you something I listened to in this lecture, I wouldn't even be able to get 20% of the points that even, even the ones that impacted me the right. most. Yeah. And that is a very jarring mental state to be in. And, um, I think that folks generally have a discomfort with that um, sort of tumult in their cognition, you know, where it like, do you know, do you know anything about the stages of learning? Um, no, I don't know, like to categorize them now. So, I'm so sure there's, I'll be familiarized when you say them. I'm so, sure. so if you were to divide learning into four categories, there's. There's unconscious incompetence, which is you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And then there is conscious incompetence, which is you become aware of the things that you don't know. And then there's conscious competence, which is this area of like, like if you think about it, like learning to drive a stick shift, it's like driving the stick shift, but having to think about every gear, having to think about your mirrors, having to, having to think about like watching out for the person next to you. Like when you're learning to drive, mm -hmm. you're having to consciously think of every move that you're doing. 
And then there's unconscious competence, which is where you do you have an understanding of something without knowing that you have an understanding on it okay. of it. So it's like driving. You know, eventually, if you have gotten any good at it, you are able to do it and do you know adjust the radio and do your makeup or or you know comb your beautiful long luxurious <laughs> hair you know or, or whatever it might be. So I I think and and I learned it at one point that. Most people, and you'll only be able to see this on the video version, but most people are kind of going through their lives generally crossing and changing direction between what they know and don't know. Over the course of their life, maybe the frequency wavelength gets a little smaller over time and eventually they they get a little better at learning by the end of their life and then they die. But if you're able to kind of maintain that dynamic equilibrium of staying in the state of confusion and state of learning and state of letting it be okay that you don't completely understand something and that that dizziness of staring into the abyss if you're able to maintain that i think that that's a good sign that you are constantly learning and you're constantly evolving and you're constantly getting better because you're maintaining that yeah you know Unconscious incompetence really describes my musical career. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was like, that sounds almost offensive, but I'm with you. I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, that's great. I really like that explanation of that. That's well, I, th- I and I and I also think that there's there are negative connotations associated with the term incompetent right. and, and ignorant. That's such a yeah, ignorant and incompetent. But I right. am ignorant and incompetent in so many things. I've been called worse, and I'm going to be called worse, and I'm you know I don't like to you know, right. It's just what happens. Right? Like like when we started doing this podcast. We were especially incompetent as to how it do, how to do a podcast. Of course. And now we're on our 74th episode and we've gone from a broken iPhone in the middle of Tony's, you know, den mm-hmm. to a two camera, you yeah. know, live stream and and we've got Gordo producing and we're starting to get, you know, regular guests on the show and we're by no means the best thing out there and we're by no means the best at it, but the more and more we do it, the more we move towards that area of of unconscious competence. There are certain things that we have done during this show about which we are unconsciously competent. There's things we don't have to think about doing week after week. Gonna eat your brains and gain your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, now that we've gone off on that tangent awesome. a little it. bit, yeah. let's talk a little bit about what you do, man, and what um, what brought you to wanting to take care of people's ears like what because okay we know each other just from the music scene rock and roll yeah we yeah. just know each other from from playing shows bars uh, shows pr- probably the the mo the the band that you played in with the most notoriety is is dead temple but yeah. who else have you played for for people who don't know um you? i guess the first my first like high school band um was a band that was hopefully i'm talking long enough um no you're fine okay um the first high school band i was in was God, what were we called? Atronian Dirge is black metal band. Um, and you were they, in Atronian Dirge, right? And this is what everyone. I start telling people my kind of my like what bands have been. People are always like, "What?" You know, and like, like I didn't know you were in Atronian Dirge. Yeah, dude. Duh. No skin. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's great, man. Um, yeah. So that was like my high school brand, and I was I only played out with them a few times. I got kicked out like at some point. Like it was, but that band went on to be um, a really cool band called Flight of Slepner. Sleipner, Sleipner. Um, okay. So, so a lot yeah. of those guys are doing that stuff. And then also there was a band that was called, um, oh man, it's so hard to keep all of them, Stoic Destination. So like that, all those guys kind of branched out of that black metal stuff. That was my high school band. So then after that, I got into a band called Elucidarius. And that was with Grant, Israel, 
um, Cole Rudy, who's in Dragon Deer now, and then um, no way, and they became Katesh. Okay, there's another one where I was in that band kind of early on, and then it kind of like fizzled out and then stuff. So it sounds like bands get more successful after you leave. Is that right? I'm not. I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah. So, <laughs> right? Am I the fucking? Du- I was playing bass in those bands, and like, listen, if something happens more than once, it's a, it's probably a pattern. Yeah, so you might I basically want to be aware gave up of. with music at that point, and then just kidding. <laughs> so, so I was then, like, well. Oh. How can I get money from these people that are? <laughs> yeah, and they so, won't let me play in their bands anymore. Yeah, so then I started doing some more punk rock, hardcore stuff with um, the guys that were when we were talking about the um, last night, the Gothic show, uh, the No Takers. Right. So those guys, I was in a band with all of them together, and I was actually in the first kind of formation of that band, but I didn't actually stick in the band. Um, they were called Outnumbered. It's kind of funny. No Takers, Outnumbered, great. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, hardcore band, and I was in them for a while, and then. After that, I did Battle Spawn, and I did like a negative. Remember that band? <laughs> I thought you said Battle Spawn, no, and, then, no. and then I went Battle Spawn. Yep. I, I knew the name yeah, of the band. Yeah, Battle Spawn and Dead Temple played some co-shows together. I was in two bands at a, once, and so those bands were about the same time. And then after Dead Temple was Voidbringer. That was the one I'd run into you at Rocket Space. Right, right. And then now I'm in a new... Um, Are you not doing Voidbringer anymore? Voidbringer's done. Yeah, and then we all we just kind of... Just, you know, it happens. Bands just fall apart They fizzle sometimes. out, yeah. yeah. And so that one did. You know, we didn't do... A, that band really was... You know, I don't want to like talk shit about him or anything, but we didn't do a lot. You know, it was right. kind of the one of the least um, active bands, but, you know, Dead Temple was probably the most active band. It's hard to keep a band together, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so now I've got a new band, um, and uh, it's a black metal band. What's your What's your new band right now? Uh, Necrosophic Abyss is the name of it. Necrosophic Abyss. Do, it's you, like, do you have a spaghetti logo? Like, we're planning on it. We're kind of in the, like the, you know, we are about nine months in maybe, no, not that long, like six months. But my, that's funny you say that because my, you your eyes open and stuff. My girlfriend's <laughs> always like, she's like, what's the name of your band? And I'm like, Necrosophic Abyss. And she's like, dark and ominous words. <laughs> <laughs> so, Necrosophic Abyss. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking cool. It's actually, you know, a lot of times you join But dance. is it true Norwegian black metal? I mean, we're, we're from fucking Denver, so no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're from Denver, bud. We just do like... <laughs> but, but I mean, is that what it's, you guys are going for? It's, is like, yeah, it's, is like true black metal like... Yeah. Like desolate and there's three ominous and dark. Yeah, it's it's evil. It's you know, we're kind of we're, what we're looking at is kind of um the process of mourning and like funerals and stuff like that. Cool. Which is which is, you know, like it's it, it's it's really great. It's really powerful. It's very doomy too. So it's kind of like mixing a lot of the stuff that I'm really into, which is like doom and black metal, which is a genre called um funeral doom. But we're not slow because funeral doom is kind of one of those slow really droney really but slow, like black yeah. and evil so we're really really fast we have these elements of doom in it as well and it's come together way better than i could have ever imagined honestly it's like a really exciting project and it's just it's it's how long have you been doing it for i think i was just thinking i think we started in so it's funny how you say so we were talking about like my kind of my line of bands and you know, like my the local bands i've been in really showing myself off <laughs> but you right. know um Right when Voidbringer was starting to kind of go into like a hiatus point, like one of my friends reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to start this black metal band? And I was like, I don't know if I got time, you know, and I think that was back in, it must have been last March, I think. So we're getting close to probably like seven months or something like that. Cool. And so they reached out to me like, hey, I don't know if you have time, whatever. And I was like, okay. And then the, the members in the band, um, I was like, okay, yeah, I will, I will meet up with you guys. So we did a couple of rehearsals and then it's been going since. Um, the one thing, you know, the band is exciting. I really can't wait to start doing it. But the one thing that, you know, we're kind of talking about before we get out and start playing and promoting is that we're not going to start, like, name-dropping members before we get out. So I'm in a band. What, what do you mean? Like, we just don't want to say, like, oh, I'm in blah, blah, blah's band. And people are like, oh, I love this band. So they associate uh, it with that. Uh, because there is some 
some big hitters. You know, like that's a funny <laughs> thing to say. You know, so dumb to like say that. Like who? Come on, drop some names, man. <laughs> We're trying to get some more subscribers on the show. Drop some names. They don't want me to just name drop. They don't the, want to name drop really, until it comes d- out. We made a discussion really not to name. Wow. Drop. Just because, like, I think. Okay, I, so let's put this in perspective. If I joined a band with someone, I wouldn't mind at all that they dropped my name. Right. So they must be big enough that they have to have the discussion of they don't want their name dropped. And that's kind of, I mean, it's not. It's not Because, Gordo, if somebody, like, wanted to drop your name in a band, you'd have been like, why? Right? Like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. And that's kind of what I was. But someone asked, you know, once. In a word. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of asked, you know, like, hey, let's not just, like, you know, say, hey, we're X and X from X and X. And, like, check out our band because of our dicks. You know, like, whatever. Right, right, right. And I I get that and appreciate that. And I think it is going to make it when we do finally get out and unveil the band. People will be like, oh, shit, you're playing with them. You know, or, like, you know, and be like, holy fuck, that was really heavy and awesome. And, you know, and it's like it wasn't one of those things where, like, dude, I'm in this band with these dudes and, like, it's going to blow your blow your mind but it's like we kind of want right. to like have our first have our first show really be impacting in that way because right, you know right. it's one of those things where we know enough people where we're going to be able to get a you know we'll be able to get a support on something relatively easily right um and we don't want to use that as our like path into like you know um getting us like into like an oh, oh no like a spot right away and just being like hey like we're blah blah we're these guys from these other bands kind of like what's his name marky ramon going on tour with no music whatsoever and then dude, <laughs> i don't know what this is but that's a little uh, dude let me tell you a story <laughs> did you go to that show when we when we oh, opened, no, I know I didn't. Or wait, which Richie Ramone? That's who it was. Richie Ramone. We opened for Richie Ramone, who was the drummer of the Ramones when they and he actually wrote um, "Somebody Put Something in My Drink." Mm-hmm. So he was that era of the Ramones, right? And so we get offered this gig with Richie Ramone, and it was sight unseen because he had no content up. You know, he didn't have an album. He didn't have any videos. He didn't have anything. He just had the name. And we... He's Richie. And well, and we played... Richie? We played with Richie. That was the thing. I was like... Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people. Uh, I've seen that that shirt, so uh, I didn't see Richie in there. There's Frankie Ramone, there's Bosco Ramone, there's Gianni Ramone, (laughs) there's Jose Ramone, there's Jugdish Ramone, Aaron Ramone, there's Tony Ramone, Ramone, there's Wiggins Ramone, there's Mikey Ramone, there's Headphones Ramone, Cup Ramone, (laughs) Chair Ramone. Anyway, Billy Ray Ramone, Billy Ray Ramone. Ramon, Stevie Ray Ramon, Ray Romano Ramon. Dude, you're killing me. Jesus. No, but I, I like, I, so I mean, and I always liked somebody put something in my drink. I liked the song. Okay. We got offered to do it at the Oriental. It was supposed to be this big thing. And we played with him. And I mean, he definitely had some players in his band. I will say that to their credit. So if any of the Richie Ramone guys are watching, you know, not to dog on anybody in the band individually. They were all great players. Their crew was all really nice. We had a good time. That being said, the show uh, (laughs) wasn't very fucking good. There's a lot of those. And I heard about that across the whole tour. Like I'm, I'm very good friends with Andy Burkaw, who is you know one of the main owners and one of the main talent buyers over at the Oriental. This is before Peter, oh, yeah. Peter Orr jumped in. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. Andy Burkaw plays bass for White Fudge, so he and I are good uh-huh. friends. 
and um, and he put us on that show. And after the fact, he was pissed. Oh wow! He was pissed because one, it was a bad show. You know, they they weren't very good. They weren't a very good act. Individually, great musicians, not a good act. Right. Uh, I think Richie was fucked up. Um, I also uh, it, it, like a lot of people just kind of walked out. Like Thanks. we played, Thanks. and then Richie went on, and it it started to like people started to file out. It just yeah, wasn't man. very good. And then I found out later that that was kind of something that was happening across the board was that people were booking this show sight unseen and then getting the actual show and going, what the fuck did we, like, what did we sign up for here? So there are, like, to your point, there are bands that do that. that They just go like, here's the names before going like, here's the music, here's the product that we're doing. And by the way, it just also so happens that so and so and so and so are in the band. Exactly, you can't sell the package without the like the actual music. You know, right, that, that, that happens. Though. So happens you guys, you guys don't want to put the the cart before the horse. You yeah, want to make it, sure. The thing with you know black metal too is it's one of those things where it, you don't want it to be like that. I guess, and it needs to be a little more serious than just like, hey, like you know, we want to bring people that are interested in black metal and like dark satanic music and stuff like that you know right. not just like hey like we'll bring all your girlfriends and the people that you know a lot of the people like that are really are not into it they're just there to right to be a part you like, want you want it to be you want it to be for true fans <laughs> true Norwegian black metal you've got a real good black metal voice that, dude Damn, uh, act, good. so we're working we're working on this new piece right now that it's more of a thrash song than anything right. but the vocal I'm planning on doing for it is going to be more dude, like Fuck yeah, dude. That's cool. I would love to come do some guest vocals. Dude, yeah. Fuck. Some gang fucking vampire vocals, dude. <laughs> Only if I can sing about, like, a, a recipe for, like, pasta fajoula or something like <laughs> exactly. that. I, that's all that I want. Not that I would have to look up a recipe because it's not like I have a really good recipe for pasta fajoula. I think that one's an easy one, right? I have a good recipe for, for instant oatmeal, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So, I mostly what I wanted to do is I wanted to give people... A little background so they know that you're not some guy who was in the medical world no. who yeah. was like uh-huh. trying to like, hey, you know who needs this stuff is <laughs> yeah. these kids in the damn rock and roll scene. And I'll exactly. I'll go in and I'll, uh, you know, brand myself as this da 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 like you. Right. You have always been in the heavy music world, oh, hardcore, yeah. metal, For sure. punk a rock. Little kid, you know. And then your your vocational training led you to going in this in this new direction that we're going to talk about. So, correct. Tell me tell me about a, a bit about what you do now. Uh, so currently, I am what is called a hearing instrument specialist or hearing aid dispenser. Um, Basically, it's a state license. Because um, we were talking about audiologists, right and we're before. not talking about like the 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 hearing the. Oh, hearing aid dispenser. Uh-huh. See, I need to fix my. <laughs> I thought you. Uh, we didn't actually test I thought, my hearing. I thought when you came <laughs> in last time. So we did. We did test no, we my did, hearing when I, I came in last. So half the time, you know, because a lot of times I work with musicians, so a lot of times it's just preventative maintenance, uh, preventative stuff. So I kind of want to get my chart just so I can take yeah. it home and yeah. show it to my wife and be like, "I promise you, I am not ignoring you. <laughs> this is what my hearing oh, test yes. said." Yes, I can't really. You know, it's not very good thing for a, a provider to like talk about someone else's hearing loss but you can share yours of course right right but I do remember that I was like oh shit like it wasn't it, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't no it's not bad it's it wasn't not, bad just, bad but no. it was like on the way to being bad yeah correct it, it was, was the type of thing where where you showed me the chart and you were like 
you were like, okay, well, this is common damage that we see yeah, with, musicians, with sure. people, yeah. especially someone Works who's been doing it as long as you have. Bar I'm venue. surprised it's not worse. Yeah, bar right? venue. Because I'd been at I Three mean, Kings for yeah. five years by that point. Mm-hmm. So, so, it, so you were what's called a hearing aid dispenser and yeah. instrument hearing instrument specialist. Yeah, there's a couple different names for them, you know, and it's just it's just what it is. It's state. It's a state licensure. So an audiologist is a doctor. And right. doctors And you work with an audiologist, right? I work with an audiologist currently. Um, but I had when we had met at the clinic I was at, I was actually in my training kind of area. I was an apprentice at the time, but so I worked at a hospital with like a lot of audiologists. Right. So I kinda that's where I got all my training. Yeah, you were at Anschutz back then, Correct. I remember that. Yeah. And um, so yeah, that's that's what I do. You know, so my day to day is hearing tests and dispensing hearing aids and then um, the cool part of it, the fun part of it for me. Actually it's all pretty fun, but you know, the the part that like really that I love. The most rewarding part. The most rewarding part is one of them, you know, because I actually do really like the people that come in and get hearing aids and that's really great. But, you know, the part that I share, you know, within my own peers and stuff is to doing uh, preventative um, uh, music plugs. Um, right, right. Custom custom musician plugs yeah yeah so musician plugs and then um, inner monitors as well because what it does is you know it's one of those things where it prevents hearing loss right um, but it also it's it keeps me in touch with rock and roll people and it keeps me in touch with like my metalhead friends and stuff you know and it's also like it's a really cool thing to have that uh, specialty ability to go and meet them and the kind of either talk about it or um, you know procure the hearing uh, the keep them from hearing loss. And a lot of people have been like, look, dude, I play like in this fucking super heavy band and like I've been wearing your plugs for three or four years. And like, I can't imagine like what would have happened if I wasn't right. doing this. If I hadn't been doing yeah, it, right. So. And I mean, and, and I'll admit that there are times when I'm like, ah, oh, I forgot my plugs mm-hmm. or ah, oh, I forgot, you know, or we don't have enough time to sound check my monitors right. or whatever. Yep. But I use them whenever I possibly can. Yeah. And that's the, we had talked, always when we talk about this from like anyone who works in like an audiologist or a hearing instrument special, it's always about time and exposure. That's the thing that we just always drill, you know? So it's like really how long are you in the environment how much time do you put into that environment? So if you're working in a mechanical... And repeatedly, like repeatedly. frequency and duration. Exactly. So if you're sitting around at a like a, a steel mill all day and you're never wearing your, you know, you forget it one day and you work eight hours, that's different than walking into a, a rock and roll show for 30 minutes set. You know what right. I mean? So it's, and those may be different levels of decibels and it's always subjective. I mean, it's something where like you, people are kind of like, well... If I do this in the X, Y, and B, I'm okay. And it's like, I can never tell you when you're okay. I can only tell you when you're safe, when you're wearing something to protect you. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that when you're exposed to these, like, maybe longer, short periods of time in noise environments, you may be at risk. And that's all we can say. So it's one of the things I I like the, I think a lot of audiologists and a lot of hearing instrument specialists say this. It's kind of like sunscreen. Like right. you go outside and you're not. You're not sunscreen. necessarily going to get oh, yeah. skin cancer. Yeah, every you're not going to be out. done. You know, you're not going to be done unless it's the. It's a very, very like in some kind of astronomical shit, and the sun's a little bit closer. You know, it burns you. That'd be like that doesn't. It happen. happens to be the <laughs> day that you develop melanoma. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and it's one of those things where it's like you just kind of got to be. It's good to have the protective elements there with you, and when you have them, that's good. And if you don't, like you're not going to because it increases your odds to keep your hearing. Yeah. So. So when I when I went and saw you, and let's talk a little bit about that process. Yeah. Is I saw you starting to put up flyers at Rocket Space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to Rocket Space, one of our sponsors mm-hmm. on this show. Love you, Kate. Love you, Kate. Too. 
<laughs> and Jason Bonham, not the Jason Bonham, but another Jason Bonham. Love everybody over there. Yeah. Uh, you were starting to put up ads and starting to put out earplugs. Yeah. At, I started um, doing that like from the second that they, I was allowed to do that. Right. Now I like don't really associate myself with any clinic per se. Like I just kind You have of your do, own practice. I don't have my own practice, but I just kind of like with with the musician stuff, I'm like, look, like, you know, a lot of times it works better to go to a rehearsal like to meet them where, you know, it's like a lot of times the, you know, rock and roll hours are different than like business hours. So are so, you making, are you making your, your full living from this practice? Oh, no, 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 no. no. Okay. So I work at a different practice, which I won't really talk about too much because I don't want to. Right, 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 right. Um, but what I do kind of as what we consider like your side hustle or kind of the thing that you do on the side or whatever is, you know, I do um, musician stuff on the, like, you know, on the, well, I'll go to people's band practices or their houses or right. they'll come to me, whatever it is. Cause that way it just makes it a little more, a little less informal. Or it's no, been it, growing too. I mean, I've watched it grow yeah, over the last, so last few years. It's not quite as, you can notice you have to go, you came to the hospital one. So you have like a different experience than the people that I've seen in the last couple, like year or so. Right. Where, you know, it's like, you got to like go like park and then you got to like go up an elevator bank to get to the sixth floor and you got to like go check into a desk right. and I'm like, Hey man, you're like, uh, Hey dude. And you're like, are you like all over it? You know what I mean? Like, but right, right. you get there. But so now, now you like work in a place where like people can just walk in the door and yeah, get right, well, right so, to, or yeah. you come to them. I go to them for the most part. Yeah. Right. Just cause of that. It's just kind of the way it works a little bit better. Cause otherwise it gives you people kind of a, a reason not to come in. I yeah. think, you know, cause a lot of people are like, like I just want music plugs. I don't want hearing test. Right. People say that all the time. And I'm like, I totally feel you. You know what I mean? Like a hearing test is like the like, hey, man, I had, here's your diagnosis. Here is your written and signed. See, I wanted to know. You did. And so, no, I mean, like I would say it's 50-50. Some people like really want to know. Wanna know and some people loss. are like stressed, dude. They're just yeah, like. Yeah, I wouldn't they, mind what? knowing how bad my hearing loss is. Yeah, I'll set you up, man. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, it's, it's genetic in my family, too. Like uh -huh. hearing loss is genetic in my family. Like my dad, my dad told me the story. He actually got chewed out by a guy in Germany for talking too loud because my dad was at a restaurant uh -huh. in Germany and my dad you know if you ever met my dad he kind of talks like this I did meet your dad I've met yeah. him you've met, you've met yeah. my dad yeah, yeah. I don't recall the loud my voice, dad talks like that because my mom has always been hard of hearing gotcha my mom, uh, my mom wears hearing aids. Mm -hmm. My grandfather wore hearing aids. You know, like if I didn't do the damage to my ears that I do, mm -hmm. it's very likely that I would have, you know, experienced some sort of yeah. of hearing loss regardless. But like my dad, this guy came up and he goes, "Will you shut up? I can hear you through the whole restaurant." And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's just my like yeah, because Germans have a different type of uh, what is that manners is manners. what it's called. <laughs> yeah, manners. Yeah, that's like that's kind of like the Etiquette. thing that every like Etiquette. every country talks about how yeah, loud Americans are. They got know? the, uh, what you call it? Uh, <laughs> etiquette, uh, etiquette, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, they told us when we were over in Europe, they were like, uh, they were like, Amer you guys stick out like a sore thumb. And I was like, why? And, and Jan, who we've had on the show, our buddy from Belgium, he's like, uh -huh. you walk around like you won the war. It's like you just walk around with your chest sticking out all bow legged and then and then we went we went to Amsterdam and we were talking about going to red light and this girl is like, Well be careful because there's pickpockets and da-da-da. and her boyfriend goes, Oh no, they'll be fine. They're Americans. And I'm and they, they walk around, they look like Americans, they stick out like a sore thumb sore thumb, no one will mess with them. And I'm like, 
why do people keep saying that? And they're like, they're like, well, just you know, Americans walk different. The bow-legged thing is because hilarious. your culture is asshole. <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah. you all walk around like you're John Wayne, you know, like like, it, like that. That was the point they were trying to make it. But because right. they're European, they're, they're all also supposed it. to be yeah. polite about insulting. Like, Look, you're all a bunch of cocksuckers, and uh, I don't really care that much about you know. With it's respect, just, with respect, with respect, though. Yeah, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, so. So I went and saw you because I was concerned about my hearing loss. Yes. And um, I had uh, my friend Ross McAfee, Correct. who ha- had his own, um, I-, I think he still does. Pro audio own, stuff. Yeah, yeah. His own, does, did his own pro audio stuff and told me he could get me a deal on in-ear monitors. Mm-hmm. And so I was starting to look into that more because I was, you know, basically what would happen is I would go and do a show. And as the show's going on, Tony and Parker and Logan are turning up louder and louder. Ty refuses to mute his drums at all. So anytime I'm playing with Ruckus, it's just getting blasted the whole time. And what I would find is I don't know if it was from, like, fatigue or just from them turning up. But by the end of the show, I would lose my monitor, wouldn't be able to hear myself. And just spend the next day with just tinnitus just, like, killing me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was fucking me up. So I'd been, I'd been looking into it for a long time and, you know, heard that you had been doing this thing. Heard. Haha. And <laughs> right. came in to see you. And we sat down and we did a hearing test. Yep. And you, uh, you made some custom molds for me. Correct. Correct. And then we sent those off to Westone. Yes, sir. And then Westone made the musician plugs for me mm-hmm. and made the in-ear monitors for me. Yep. And I've been using them ever since. And I can tell the difference when I don't use them. Yeah. I think you kind of were – I had actually done a few monitors before them, but you were the first, like, my rock friend who came in and, like, did it, you know, and I could actually kind of follow up with. Because there's not a lot of follow-up with – this kind of thing right but if it's it's, people you know from the scene you can follow up and so you know i kind of was like i was like hey you know and it was good that ross was there you know he like he kind of i didn't at that point know a lot about monitoring systems and now i know a lot more about them um right but at that time i was kind of like well i don't even know what he's like you know it's like you have to have an actual a monitor it's you know the what i do is basically a very very well-fitting pair of earplugs you know what i mean and it's it depends on what's in it you know like and you can either be very expensive or be cost effective kind of thing right Um, but you were the first person who was like look i'm I'm not using my voice as much. Like that's the biggest thing I noticed. Like I don't have right. to try to compete with the sound of the stage or with the. Well, I'm players. able to do a lot more. And you're like my throat's not as bad now. Well, and I'm able to, if I'm working now. The 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 challenge that has changed mm-hmm. is now, if I'm not work if if I'm working with a front of house engineer or monitor engineer who is not used to IEM systems. Uh-huh then I'm up in for trouble because I have trouble getting them to give me what I need. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm not getting enough juice Mm -hmm. or I want effects in the, in the ears or something like that. Like when we opened for blue oyster cult, Uh the engineer there knew what the fuck he was doing. It just depends on the venue. And, And so he was, he's like, do you want a little reverb? Do you want a little delay? Like, do you want these things to make it sound more natural? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, um, I've talked to, David Sanchez from Havoc and I told him I was like I don't like being isolated from the crowd and he gave me the suggestion of like taking a couple SM57s and putting them on top of the stage just for like vibe mics and adding that to our input list super cool and then you were telling me about 
Active ambiance. Active ambiance. <laughs> Tell me about that. What's um, what's the active ambiance feature? So it's they have now? it's not really. I don't think it's too new, but it's something that I've been using. Um, not myself, but um, I've been kind of finding with some people that I've uh, hooked up with. Where you um, know, I guess shout out Eric Eric Brown from um, Swashbuckle. He's a, he's got a pair ordered and they're oh, coming cool. in. So he's the f- one of the first ones I'm using this type of technology. Oh, Eric uh, Rainbow Dragon Eyes. Correct. Eric Brown. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of a mixture of the inner monitor, the custom inner monitor, but it's also got a vent in it, and that's something that is common within ear molds and hearing aids. But what it is is it's like a it's actually an attenuator, like the the filter that you have on the music plug, where it kind of like shelves the um, the sound down a little bit, so you can still hear that clarity. Like it's all about the fidelity, you know, how you can hear everything. Right. Um, and what it does is you can actually have a filter that you can replace within the inner monitor itself. So you can actually open it up so that you can hear the stage and the crowd. Right. Naturally through your own ear as opposed to like, you know, with the, I think that- Just plugging your ear and only hearing the And that's what feed. everyone, I mean, that's typically when people come in and they talk to me about it, they're like, you know, hey, like I've never used them before. I'm like interested in it. And I was like, well, look, here's the big thing. Like I tell people, look, if you're going to invest into this, I think it's a great idea because it's going to help you preserve hearing. And it also is going to be, make you more professional. You know, I'm not going to say that it's like going to change the talent of the band or anything, but it's, it's one of those things where it's going to make things a little bit easier for you. But you need to practice with a universal monitor like you need to just have like these kind of monitors or the ones that go in your ears and see if you like inner monitoring in general right because that's kind of one of the challenges because sometimes people will you know they don't you can get cheaper ones but you know like they'll put them on and they'll be like i don't know if i want monitors like this i'm so used to wedge monitors like people are people kind of have their preferences some people like they just want a wedge monitor that's one they want to hear all the stage but then there's the people that do need that extra help and so when you practice with them you just you know, you kind of see what you want, and then once you've worn the the normal, and a, when I say custom, or not custom, um, I say universal, that's basically anything that is... It's basically just a headphone. It's just a headphone, yeah, and it's right. just, but it goes in your monitoring system, and that way you can see if you like that monitoring, and then you can kind of upgrade from there. And I made the mistake of trying out... I know, you told me this, and I was like, I was like, dude, you learned so much, and fuck, you, you learned, I learned a lot from that, because I was like, wow, I could have been someone to right. divulge that information to you, but you had to be my guinea pig that went out and did that, and I was like, oh shit. Right, like, and I mean, that's playing in front of 10,000 people. Jesus, I know. So the the mistake that I made is I was so excited to use my new system. The first gig I had after getting them was City Park Jazz. Mm -hmm. And the thing that... The thing that I don't think I was prepared for is I expected the monitors to go on and it was going to be like listening to a recording of the show. Right. And that's not what it is. That's a good perceptive to have. That's how how they're they're like marketed to individuals. Right. And that's not what it is. Yeah, it's not. What it is is it's taking the direct feed from the monitor and put and straight into your head. With no outside sound. No outside sound, no effects. Nothing. It's just like mixed the way it would be for on stage. Yeah. So everything sounded weird. And my voice sounded just really flat. And it sounded really, like, it, it just sounded very dry, I guess is actually the, the more accurate term. Mm-hmm. And so the experience that I've had, if I don't take the time for a good sound check to get them dialed in, the experience that I had was that of being really uncomfortable and really self-conscious. Yep. Now, since then, I have learned how to dial them in a little bit better. I've learned that I probably bump them up further than is recommended. Um, but it's got to do less damage than playing on stage with no earplugs. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to depend. And and, and, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna have to start going and using vibe mics to like to get that ambient sound in. But for anyone who's thinking about doing this, I would say really take the time to do a sound check and get it dialed in to where it will still be enjoyable to do the show. Yeah. There's lots of, there's great resources out there too. I mean, like, like what I, I would uh, love you know, to know that YouTube is one is really, you can get into a YouTube hole on this. Like shit. what would I look up on YouTube? Just if I was like, gonna... I mean, just literally just type in custom inner monitors and just start seeing what's going on from there. And even just sit, type in inner monitors and like people do like rig, they'll do rig, Rundowns. They will like literally like product review type of things. It may be product review, but it may just be like I. I saw. I can't think of it. I'll probably send it to you if I can find it. It's probably in my saved list because I started saving the ones I really like. Um, and there'll be people that just literally show you their touring monitoring system right. and what they use and what the drummer likes to use and what the singer likes to use and kind of you know these different um, aspects of it. And they give you kind of this like, look, hey, we're not promoting anything. We're not selling shit. We're just kind of this is what we do for our monitoring system. And we started this way and we got to here. Could you maybe after this podcast, could you maybe go onto the comments thread of this episode uh-huh. and drop in some links that yeah, you definitely. think might be, that'd oh, yeah. be really cool. Cause I mean, there's some, there's great ones. I mean, there's ones that I, you know, I would look at and be like, wow, like that makes a lot of sense. And then uh, obviously talk to any sound guy or myself, you know, reach out to me and I can give you some ideas of either who to talk to if you don't have someone in the local, locally, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of sound guys, but you know, there's a lot of just talented individuals even in our area that can kind of right. get you. I mean, Ross was good with you. I mean, he gave you a really no, good... No, he was great. And and he let me he let me do a payment plan on the system because yeah. the systems are expensive. That's the, that's the thing, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, okay, very, it's a pair of headphones into like uh, some type of a monitor. And it could be a rack monitor. It could be like a... And if you get the personal worn ones like you have, which is a receiver and transmitter kit right. where it's wireless, which is very cool. I mean, they're awesome because then you can literally be all over stage everywhere right. you... Because that's the big thing. So, the monitors sit right here, right? You can... And if you step out in the in between them, the two wedge monitors like this, you lose or you have a mix of them. And so a lot of times it's great for singers. You know, it's like probably the best thing for singers. Right. They can go all over the place and have their mix be however it wants to be. Um, and it just depends. You know, there's a lot of great things for them, but they're they're kind of dangerous in the sense that like you may have like some buyer's remorse afterwards. So I try to like as a person who sells and it's these a things, big investment. It's too. a big investment. So the person who sells this thing, I'm like completely transparent with that. I think that's the most important thing about it is to be very transparent with those type of things and say, hey, like I want to support you wherever I can with this and I want you to benefit from this. And I also want you to like wear them and I like and I watch a band that's someone that I've done their monitoring system with. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm kind of a I'm not part of the band, but I'm kind of like, I'm like, Hey man, we shook hands. I've been in that dude's ears. Like, you you know what? But that's, that's something that is, that there's a couple things that have been very cool. And, and one, and we've talked about this in a few other contexts on the show before is it's awesome to see people that I know from the scene grow up and start doing other things kind of around the edges of the scene, you know, Mm -hmm. big capital T, capital S scene, you know, that are doing other things like uh, Jeremiah Ludeman from No Bueno is doing all, um, he's doing all like uh, AV for corporate events and stuff like that. But we hire him to come do the projection and the live video mixing for for whenever we do a new motion comic or something like that. Yeah. You are doing this uh, this audio instrument specialist thing where you are helping people stay in the game longer. Yeah. You know, since I've been to see you, you've had uh, 
Ben came to see you. Ben from uh-huh. yeah, uh, the, from Chemist went to came to yeah, see you. Those, so that, just to interject a minute, those were the first. So you were like, so I want you to know that you're one of the people that I cut my teeth with. So that's like, really it's very great. important. You know, to me to kind of acknowledge that. Um, Chemist was the first band that I've like had all members come in and do this. And this is when I was learning and training and they came in and they were very patient with me and they were very supportive of what I was doing. And they came in and like, kind of were like, you know, I was learning how to do it. And the, the audiologists that I work and were working for were happy to kind of help me help them so that I could learn how to do it. Right. So there's a couple bands that like kind of cut my teeth with, and it's just funny. I was like, this is something that most people don't want to share, but I like drilled Aaron's fucking ear, dude. And like, you were like all like, fuck, man. Like, and it wasn't like, I didn't do anything that was, you know, anything permanent. No, you didn't damaged. puncture my eardrum. No, no, I didn't anything like that. But uh, you were you one of the- scraped it a little bit. The, you were one of the first deal. people I had seen like without another person kind of over my shoulder watching. And I, you have to do that. That's what it is. You know, like you right. have to like eventually like not be fucking tethered to whoever's training you. And so what I did is I just, I pushed against your ear canal, which is right. a very bony, very thin area. Right, right. And, but Aaron's like, oh, dude. And I was like, what? You know, and I'm like, I'm like <laughs> just shit. And also pissed myself at the same time. I was like, oh my God, did I just like puncture the eardrum of like my homie? You know what I mean? But like. No, I just stung a little no, bit. No, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it definitely was not an injury, but it was. It's just so, a sense. So basically he had to go in and stabbed, clean. He stabbed your brain a little bit. <laughs> yeah, my, he he poked my brain. Yeah. <laughs> so. So when I went in there, he had to clean my gross, waxy old oh, man yeah. ears out a little bit. <laughs> and didn't we figure out that like you were like, well, you were like, do you use Q-tips? And I was like, yeah. And you go, yeah, Q-tips are kind of bad because they just kind of like shove the wax. Dude, it's all depend. I mean, so as a provider, as a person who is like taking care of people's ears, it's like, dude – ENTs would always make this joke that I worked with neurotologists and those people that I work with would be like, the only thing that you want to put in your ear is your elbow. <laughs> or they would say... That's it, totally what I heard growing up yeah, too. Or don't, they, don't put anything smaller than your elbow in your exactly, ear. Exactly. Yeah, or they'll yeah, say yeah. like, if you can fit a piano in there, you can do something with that. Or they just always say something ridiculous like that and you're like, what? But like you're never supposed to put anything in your ear. You're never supposed to put anything in your ear, but also it's like, you didn't explain or teach me anything with that stupid fucking comment. But like, so... <laughs> Anyway, so I would start not like not saying, you know, not to say that, but it's just one of the things where you're like, well, I have put a cue to my ear and I didn't die. You know, so it's right. like people then start to be like, okay, what does that statement mean? Right. So with right. Q-tips, with sense of Q-tips is it's like some people's ears are big enough that you can put a Q-tip in your ear, clean it and get it out without injuring yourself. It's your right. own body. You know what I mean? Like people do worship. People smoke cigarettes. People right, do all right. this other shit, you know? So like, you know, a Q-tip's not the worst thing, but depending on the aperture, like the the uh, silicone part of your ear. Like it just depends. Like a normal standard Q-tip may just scrape it all and put it into a little patty that goes deeper and deeper. And deeper Which is kind of what I had. Uh-huh. I had a little patty of earwax. And <laughs> you had a wax patty. I had there. a wax patty. Yeah. I just had like, and it was probably like 35 years old of Dude, just like, and so wild. he had to go in there with this like plastic scraper and go in and pull it out. And, and he pulled out this giant chunk and he's like, He's like, you might be able to hear better just because of having that removed. Because yeah. this is does, probably 20 years of earwax in your fucking so, head. So, okay. So I have to ask then, what, what's your opinion on ear candles? They don't, oh, there's actually, I'll put a video of that in our YouTube comment section. for. Because I saw some, watching. a friend of mine today was asking for an ear candle. Yeah, they, like, um, there's a guy who did a very subjective study. It's not like a real intense one. It's about like a tw- 15, 20 minute video. His name's Dr. Cliff Olson. Um, he's just kind of like a YouTube audiologist. He's really great videos, but he he did it. He pretty much he took a patient 
and sat there and put a ear candle in there and measured, you know, like what it did and like, you know, what it is. The long story short, I mean, spoiler alert, like it doesn't fucking do anything really. But like what it the problem is, is that a flame with a cone that this is this big could never produce enough suction to fucking suck dust up. You know what I mean? It's like it's right, just it right. doesn't pull any suction. And right. so there's a few ways of cleaning. It's just one a big demonstrative ritual. So the, to like, so the stuff that comes up when you do that then. It's, it's beeswax. From, I mean, it's, it's made out of beeswax. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just beeswax. beeswax then. Yeah. It's and not so anything that actually comes that originates from your yeah. ear. It's, it's not, just it's all not that patty. It's like that scene in Man on the Moon where Andy Kaufman goes to like Indonesia or something like that to see the healer and the guy like has the condom full of like fake blood like pig's blood or something like that uh, and he's like pretending to reach into somebody's belly and he's just breaking open yes. the condom of fake blood you know what i mean <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just a ritual it's like a it's like a little magic trick to like trick you into thinking that's i had a girlfriend right. who did a Dude. ear candle on me once and she's like it's amazing i feel like oh so i will say though from you know not like a medical standpoint but it does have like a medic like a meditation kind of aspect to it but that's about it yeah I've well anything my family's a big believer in ear candles and they, they did that a lot. It's funny. Did yeah. they? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I think so it's here's just what, what I'll, here's what I'll, here's what okay, I'll also yeah. explain it. Um, and this is like, people are going to still not going to believe what the fuck I say. They're going to be like, fuck you, dude. I still use ear camels, you idiot. And you know, be like, <laughs> but like, there's like, there, I, I don't know if that's wise. Yeah. That. But so there's like, so <laughs> somebody's there, in the comments right now, like bullshit, my family created ear camels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ah! So you want to be careful with it. Cause you don't want to make people, cause they're expensive, dude. People like, will be like, you know, they're like $8 each and five bucks, you know, like, so they're kind of expensive if you're doing it a bunch. So it's hard to tell people that they have financially invested thousands of dollars over their lifetime it doesn't do anything but yeah and if you buy like 200 ear candles you could have bought some in-ear monitors so that's just (laughs) something to think of i just think they work better on your nose (laughs) that's hilarious so there's these things so there's a few different ways that like an ear nose and throat doctor and they're the ones that really do a lot of the wax like really bad wax removal stuff there is a thing that they use and it's like it's literally a vacuum it's like like a suction vacuum that's the same thing that like I feel like it's the same horsepower or like the same kind of device that like when you put like the thing in your mouth, it's constantly sucking the spit out when you're at a dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that powerful. It's just like constantly sucking. Like it's just this little tiny like uh, procedure vacuum. And that thing has a fucking hard time pulling wax out, dude. And it's like- It's sticky. It's like- you know, it's like fucking a vacuum going on in your head. you ever tried to clear resin out of a pipe? Dude, like it's, exactly. It takes for fucking ever. Yeah, dude. so there's and the one thing, there is over-counter stuff that works. I mean, there's like drops you could put in your ear that dissolves it. You know, right, so that's right. kind of what, and people do need help with that. That's what I would say. And you sent, you sent me home with some drops at the yeah. end of the day. But what, what happened, and it was kind of the scary moment, is he's like cleaning out the wax patty. And he just, you know, he went in a little too far. I just hit the it, canal. And it just hurt for a second. Yeah. And I went, ah, like that. And, you know, he got worried, but everything I was, was like, fine. I was like, I'm going to jail. But they're going to call the fucking cops. Everything was fine. <laughs> just because, like, you know, it's just that point of, like, it's that, what was that, the Kierkegaard thing you said? Uh, like, oh, oh, well, that this has nothing to do with, with Kierkegaard, but Kierkegaard, the, 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 four, the four stages of learning. Well, like, that's what I'm saying. You're you were staring down the void. And, you know, you're like, oh, you were staring into the void. I was doing that of voice. my eardrum, my wa- <laughs> the waxy void of my fucking head. Hey, speaking of which, um, we got a little surprise for you, Gordo. We're actually uh, going to bring you into the room now, and uh, I don't, I don't trust you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, come on into the room. We're, we're gonna just bring gonna, you into the room. We're just gonna give you hugs. Yeah, we're just gonna <laughs> give you hugs. No, we're gonna. I, th- I want people to see this, especially since this is like the first live stream video uh-huh. episode. 
Like I want people to see what the process of creating the molds looks okay. like. Because yeah, that was that was the most fun. Just take a seat in the in 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 that seat. Oh, I have to turn on this mic. Oh, you got to turn on that mic real be quick. Professional about this. Okay, so like, so let's talk about the process while he's doing that. Mm-hmm. So the way this works is you create a foam mold of a person's, a a silicone mold, Mm -hmm. like silicone foam of someone's ear. And then you take that mold, that waxy fucking mold, Uh and you put it in a box and you ship it off to whatever lab, Westone or whatever lab it is Uh that then makes a, uh, they like put it into a a CAD machine, right? Some do like uh, most everyone for musician plugs will do a um, a poured mold, hand poured mold. They're oh, very really? Pr- very proud of that. And then I kind of thought that it would be like three D, some like a 3D yeah. Printed. So hearing aids, yeah. So if we so we do the same thing for a hearing aid. So when you send out a hearing aid, there's a lot of three D printing elements to it for sure. Right, but ne- but some places pride themselves. Yeah. On. So with 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 molds, I think a hand poured one. Um, I think it's just like it just gives it a better quality con- quality control. Right. Um, so there are some hand poured labs that do it. Um, and is West Tone a hand yeah, poured lab? West Tone for sure does most. of So those I'm ones. very proud to own a <laughs> yeah. set of hand poured, exactly. handcrafted, and it's cool to watch it too. Artisanal. Arti- artisanal exactly. ear speaking of artisanal musician. I'm gonna be like doing one that like we like patty it together so it's like very the artisanal silicone like. well let's let's get into it okay. let's get into it all right I so, didn't have my stuff in here so I have to go out okay so he's gonna go out and get it and and I'm gonna talk to Gordo while you go you go out there and get it are you scared are we gonna do an experiment we are gonna do an experiment are you nervous nice it's really fun like this, I love it. This is great. This part of it's really fun. I've thought of it. So we're texting back and forth today, and I was like, out of nowhere, because I knew we were going to do the live stream today, I was like, oh, dude. I was like, how difficult would it be for you to like bring your equipment and do a mold on Gordo? And he's like, dude, I've got my stuff in my car. We can do that for sure. I was like, okay. Perfect. So when I said surprise, like this was the surprise that I was talking about. This is great. Also, I, I want to see, see you get fitted for some of these things. I want to see you get fitted for some of these. Hey, real quick, um, because uh, because Wiggins isn't going to be able to be here for the whole episode, I want to say real quick, if you want to hear the entire episode of this podcast in its entirety, make sure you go to wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever, subscribe to The MF Podcast, and you'll be able to get the episode in its entirety. But um, I think Wiggins has a hard out at 5 o'clock, so the live stream will only go until then, and then... We'll keep the episode going after that. So if you want to hear the full audio version of this podcast, make sure you go and subscribe to that. Now, real quick, I want to give a shout out to our patrons, the people who back us up up via a small monthly contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. Our patrons receive access to early and exclusive content. Uh, They basically get all the news that, um, that the band gets when we get it. And uh, all the gossip. Sometimes before the rest of the band. Gets Sometimes it. before the rest of the band gets it, uh, they get uh, free passes to shows, VIP parties with beer and food. Really, anything that we can think of to to give away to the patrons, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. And it really goes a long way. Our patrons help this podcast happen. Our patrons help uh, Tony fly back and forth to do shows. Our patrons uh, help us to 
put out the Motion Comic Series, which, by the way, the label got a hold of me today. We have an official release date of the Front Lines of Good Times, Chapter 2, Motion Comic, and the first single, or and the single off of that Motion Comic. It's going to be dropping November 14th. Let's keep an eye out for that. Our patrons already got that shit, like, two months ago. So if you want to get stuff before anybody else, go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Also want to give a quick shout out to Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, Colorado. The finest studio on the planet Earth by far. Uh, friendliest staff. Most competent. Confident. Uh, in fact, unconsciously competent people. I would say they know what they're doing without knowing that they know what they're doing. Rad Brad. Rad Brad. Go see him about your next project. Uh, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, where uh, we used to run into Gianni every Monday when uh, Voidbringer was rehearsing, but yeah. then we stopped rehearsing and you guys stopped being a band, so we don't see anymore. Mm-hmm. But, dude, but I've, I've been seeing the, the videos that Frank has been putting out, and they're fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. so Frank's doing something called Betten Envy, and then also. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He, um, so he's doing a, like, it's like a kind of a, a through mail thing, kind of like you and Tony are doing, where he's working with the guy. Oh, correspondence York. long yeah, distance. Kind of That's really cool. Thing. Um, he's still playing. I think the original drummer has a band out in Maine, too. So they're, oh, everyone's cool. still playing music for the most part, but I know. All right. Well, keep an eye out for that. Frank, if you're watching, shout out to you, my man. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Oh, I forgot our most venereal, yay, venerable sponsor, Matula Plumbing. Matula! <laughs> this plains, Illinois shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List winner of the Super Service Award back in 2011. One one is the only one. He'll wear the booties for you. If you're in the Chicago area and you need your shit piped out. <laughs> Techni- <laughs> technical term. If you need your pipes cleaned, <laughs> shit rolls downhill. Don't bite your fingernails. Call up my man Jerry Matula, dude. I really want to get those J Party Lord Jerry Matula shirts made, like <laughs> ASAP. Oh, it's a good idea. And and Jay, if you're watching, I'm serious. I really want to see. He introduced me to a new term. You introduced me to the term optics. J Party Lord introduced me to the term identity package. Oh, he was like, he was like, he was like, I want to get together with Max Sherman. And create a whole new identity package for you guys because I both of those guys they're phenomenal. Fuck, but I I asked identity I asked Jay package. because he's a fan of the show to do a new uh, logo for the the podcast. Oh, dude. He's like I want to get together with with Max and do a whole new identity package. Dude. I was like I just want to change the name of the band to Identity Package. That's exactly what I was about to <laughs> say. Totally identity Package is the perfect name for a band. Yeah, dude. Jay's like like I like met him at working at Lost Lake and then I saw his progression like oh he's my God, incredible man fucking knockout it, it, Max did but Max did Voidbringer he, he yeah. did our oh logo. yeah that's yeah. right he did our logo in a shirt and that was fucking rad yeah uh, he also did um, he also he did our the front lines of good times shirt with the necromancer and the robot and the dinosaur all chasing the van uh-huh. like I was he was like he was like so what do you want me to do for a shirt I was like the van driving into the distance being chased by a giant necromancer dinosaur and robot do it and he dude he exceeded my expectations really good stuff That's great um, what sponsors this. am I free oh we are recording this at the Nug Nation Studios in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Go to thenugnation.com to check out all the badass videos we do. Uh, Potty Talk with Bon Burgundy, where I do the voice of Bong Burgundy, interviewing the likes of Red Man, Afro Man. I took uh, Gianni on a tour of the um, of the studios. Pretty badass, Dude, right? It was like I'm fucking excited to like watch some of these videos now. I'm, it's 
that it's fucking craft, dude. We're we're doing some badass stuff here, man. Super cool. I'm super excited mm-hmm. about it. Um, also, want to give a shout out to Yolo Rum, who is one of our new sponsors on the show. My dude Wiggins from Yolo Rum is uh, going to be helping us with the live stream. Uh, man, is there like a tagline or something that you want me dropping? Why is the rum gone? <laughs> Why is the rum gone? Yellow Who rum. Drink the last of the rum. Yeah. You only get liquored up once. Yellow rum. Check it out. Actually, we did have Karen Kuda getting getting uh so all the rum that is missing from that bottle went into Karen Kuda's belly. Nice. Yeah. Bam. So that all that all went to make her day brighter. So shout out to Karen Kuda. Who else am I forgetting sponsor wise? I mentioned the patrons. I mentioned... Mutiny. Oh, Mutiny Information Cafe. This, of course, is a mutiny transmission. Mutiny Information Cafe is a uh, cultural mecca in the heart of Denver, Colorado. Records, books... Uh, comics dude the sound there Jim I'm right I'm gonna play there dude dude they're dialing it in um, Vinny Fasano I think is doing their sound there now dude I saw uh, the Denver All Day Fest there and there was how lot, was it dude there was a lot of bands that played at Mutiny and I was like I didn't I hadn't been to a Mutiny show in forever since they used to play them like up front right remember they used to play like right next to the windows oh yeah which was which <laughs> in a lot came. of ways which was better because you were walking down the street and, and some had fucking to watch that show. 18 year old hardcore band is Dude. just in there fucking smashing it up but they what? keep that side door open now too that's really bands, cool yeah you know, and they, so I can't do they were playing JMP like 1960 something fucking heads that place was so unbelievably loud the cops came you know yeah yeah (laughs) um so but then now when i went and saw denver all day fast and went in there uh dude i was like just the way the books and all that shit kind of like dampen stuff like especially with like kind of hardcore music and heavy music right Dude, I plus, mi- plus sneaking around in the fucking cat, like you're just like oh, it's fun, dude. Band? And it's it's fucking it's so cool. yeah. fun. It's there's a, there's no cool other venue. Yeah, there's no yeah, other environment like it, yeah. like it. I actually made all I did the whole time we played there for the Top Secret 420 show mm-hmm. was make jokes about the books and the acoustics. <laughs> man, I was like, it's all that knowledge <laughs> dampening up the sound, man. Every time I play there, like if I do a solo show there, I'll just grab a couple books off the shelves and just like start reading. I'll just read a little. <laughs> Read a little blurb from him, or I'll tell a story associated with one of the books. Well, we love Mutiny Information Cafe. Go check them out. Tell them the boys sent you. Flipside Music on South Acoma Street. Yeah. All the stuff you want, none of the stuff you don't. Only rad shit. And uh, a hell of a nice guy behind the counter. Ike knows his stuff. Uh, all the best pedals, all the best amps. Like guitars, like a surprising collection of rare and interesting uh uh, guitars. I've seen some really cool stuff coming. Yeah, I need there, to go man. down there. I know Nathan works there, right? And then, yeah, yeah. Um, the other guy's doing his Nick is doing the some of the oh the, 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 the down there. Oh, is he from the Keep? Nick Sullivan? No, what's his name? Nick. Oh, God. Nick Hintz, maybe. I don't know. He's doing like their uh, some of the like either amp work or like the luthier work I think they're doing some real they opened up like a shop in the back so yeah, they're doing repairs doing, and yeah, stuff that's now the too thing yeah, they expanded, we've got expanded things down there that's right because yeah. Andrew moved out of the space and opened his own building to do blackout screen printing shout out to blackout screen printing yeah and uh, now Ike is doing all sorts of stuff back there go see Ike Tell him we sent you. We're actually going to have him on the show here soon. I'm really excited for that. I want to make sure you're here because I'm sure he's going to say all sorts of stuff about gear. And I'm the singing guy, so I don't know any of that shit. So um, <laughs> did I get all the sponsors? 
You did, I think. Yeah, I got all the sponsors. You nailed them all. Okay. I, I normally we stop and we take a break and we come in and do the sponsors, but for the sake of the live stream and eating up the time, uh, I wanted to make sure I got it out of the way. So let's talk about what we're about to do here. Okay. Um, so this is what is just called doing an air mold impression. Um, it's very safe. Um, I know that we kind of probably scared you a little bit. We're talking about this when I was learning how to do this. Since then, I've done like a fucking million more of them. Yeah, that, that um, was one. Th- that was the. I, I mentioned there, there were two things going on that I was I thought were really cool. The second thing is since I've come in to see you, I've seen how much your practice has grown. Yeah, like yeah. so many bands Dude, have I been posting. I chase them. They come to me. It's kind of both ways. Where I'm like, um, it's getting around, man. You know, I'm like, I'll go, like, I'll hit up people and be like, hey, dude, like, what's up? You need some music plugs? Do you or? just go up to them at shows and talk really quiet? Yeah, and then go, but act like you're talking really loud. Like you make your face go like really big and demonstrative, but you're going like, "Hey man, it's really nice to see you." And they go, "What?" And you go, "Dude, your ears are fucked up." Right. I feel like sometimes here's my car. Exactly. I feel like some people are probably popcorn. People are running away from me because they don't want me to talk to them about that shit, or like you know they're like coming to me and being like, "Dude, I need to come in." Yeah. You know, that's just how it works. So you've you've been doing a ton of them. So what what we're gonna do now is is after the hearing test you do this process of like creating the mold yeah itself. this is for like i mean it's it depends on the type of hearing loss you can typically some people will have a the need for a mold because they'll have a have a very powerful hearing aid um uh, but for preventative stuff just for this kind of stuff the fun stuff to make sure that we don't have any hearing loss we do an ear mold impression and we send it to a lab just like aaron said so the process is pretty simple um what we do first is a called otoscopy and you'll see me do it in a second do i'm gonna need look to take these yeah off. take, yeah, take your headphones off do you off. have a drill that will go through <laughs> <laughs> a drill <laughs> yeah we're so, gonna drill through the headphones first so i'm gonna have to go untethered as well um but so the first thing we do is yeah, no, sure. it means we just look in your ear just so for those of you who are just listening to the audio version johnny is sticking a tiny little flashlight in gordo's ear and gordo's eyes are getting really wide so we just make sure that there's no wax or anything that's how much what's the gray hair count what's the thread count looking like it's gonna be good dude it's like a nice Nice little hair. Clean awesome. as a whistle. Clean as a whistle. No right. wax. So no wax. So that's really good. So we can do that. So the next thing we no do baddies. is that we put this. Okay. So we've got this like, this we've got this little like foam, like a little foam this little like foam tampon thing yeah. so what we do is, is going to go in his ear. ear. And the, this goes in the ear to protect what's called the tympanic membrane if you want to be fancy. Let's have you move there and then. Oh, okay. Okay, we'll have him go. Oh, we'll there you here. go. There you go. There you go. Got to get the uh, cinematography. So it just keeps the eardrum Perfect here. All right. So when we're putting this stuff in there, we'll make sure this is locked because just on the odd chance that someone does open a door. What we do is we put this little this little foam piece in here and we put it real deep in the ear because the deeper we can get it sealed in there. The better seal it's going to make in the long run. Okay. So now he's going in with this, like, tiny little flashlight that looks like an itty-bitty lightsaber. Like, it looks like something you would see at a Parliament Funkadelic show when they, like, were playing flashlight. Flashlight! And we just double-check where the block is at so that there's no holes or no way for the material that I'm going to put in there to go past. Right. And we make sure that it's far enough in, and that... Probably is pretty good. I might go like touch. Well, because you further. want you want the mole to be such to be that long. it'll it'll. The longer it is, the better. Fidelity is that that word I was using before, where it's kind of like the better clarity. It's kind of funny to see what your mold looks like at the end, like when you get your plugs back. It's like, That's why the does my, of my ear look like? Wow. Why does my ear look like a duck dick? Like, <laughs> why is it all corkscrewy and weird? It's fascinating. Okay, so now Gordo has the tiny foam tampon. 
in his ear, protecting his tympanic membrane. What? Right? Huh? What did you say? Huh? So just for the sake of time. Do what, we'll honey? Just, just for the sake of time, we'll just do your left ear. And then if we want to do the other one, we can do it kind of afterward out of the right, 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 right. time crunch. So with we're, we're not in a time crunch. This okay. is our show. Cool. All right. <laughs> it's my show. This is our show. So what we do now is they put the silicone in. This is a two-part silicone. Oh, What's fuck. It? John Fate is here. Hold on. Uh, hey, Wiggins, can you check the front door and see if John Fate is there? Crap. Are you outside? So what we do. All right. It's like bubble yum. Yeah. So we mix this together in my hands. That's what it took me so long to come back in because I was washing my hands. Just so you know. <laughs> gotcha. This is all like a whole day's work. Thank of God. Just pounding in all the germs in here. Just go right in your ear. <laughs> and then we put it inside of this guy. Actually, I'll probably hit that a couple more times. Put this little ball in there and it gets this okay. material. Okay. So he's he's Sweet. like packing this like Pepto Bismol looking stuff into this this little like dude, it looks like a turkey baster. <laughs> That's great. Like it looks like See, this is, Dude, can you take a mold of my butt? This is the same thing that they do to your... Uh, kind of whoa, like a, that's crazy. That yeah. feels weird. <laughs> can you take a mold of my butt? Like Dude. if I wanted to make if I wanted to make a custom butt plug? Yep. Sure could. It's, a, it's the same kind of... John, do you want to come into the room? Feeling that they... Like when you get your... Uh, hey, your, buddy! Your teeth... Uh, All right, like cool, cool, cool. Your teeth done. John, yeah, John Fate is in the studio right now. But it sounds Our, our tour weirder. manager extraordinaire, John Fate, is up in the booth. So then I always make it into a little ball so we can check when it hardens. So so, so I, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Can you make a custom butt plug with that foam? I mean, I... Like if I send it up to the butt plug factory, could they... Well, you have the opposite... Well, yeah, I, I don't know how that I work. wonder what a custom butt plug would look like. <laughs> Probably terrible. Uh, different for everyone. <laughs> As opposed to just those okay. normal, so those, you, those beautiful artisanal butt plugs that... that well, remember, okay, remember when there was like that Instagram trend for like one Valentine's Day? Oh, the, everyone, the butt the butt chocolates? Yeah, everyone's making their asshole chocolates and giving it to their fucking... See, I think that's made up. I got the butt chocolates from someone once, and I, I don't think that one. they were... I think that there they just... Enough, there wasn't enough uh, you don't geographical send any, marks that were... <laughs> you don't send an imprint of your butthole to a, a place that makes a custom chocolate of your asshole. That shit's... Funny, though. I mean, it's so, it's a funny it's, it's a funny well, idea, yeah, but I think so much of it is just like it's yeah. like, like that. That's really cool. I think they just send yeah. you chocolates that look like buttholes. Exactly. Because <laughs> I, I I did get the butthole <laughs> chocolate oh, once. Totally oh, yeah. Sorry. And I saw the individual's butthole before. <laughs> so okay. So now so now Gordo is getting the oh, the tiny that. foam tampon with the light shoved in his other ear. Dude, that thing does totally look like a little tiny toy lightsaber. Like it... <laughs> Flashlight! All right. Like, you know you get those those swords at the circus? Yeah. You know? So do you know the story about the um, the lighters at concerts? Oh, yeah. Do you know that story? Oh, like where sure. it came from? I don't know what it came from, so, but I've definitely been to a show where that's been going on. So parliament started that oh with the song flashlight so what used to happen is parliament 
did flashlight and people would bring flashlights to the show. That is a great But then people are walking in with these flashlights that are full of like C and D batteries. <laughs> oh shit. And it's it's them. and it's dangerous, right? So they had to come up with uh so one thing that uh Parliament started doing is they started selling those collapsible flashlight swords That's awesome. you know like as, as a piece of merch like you would have at the circus and then eventually they were unable to do those too so people started doing the lighter during flashlight because they'd have a lighter in their pocket crazy. and supposedly George Clinton claims now this is George Clinton right. acid taking crack smoking waving his dick on top of a fucking cocktail table you know <laughs> like bare ass naked like lighting his room on fire with a crack pipe, George Clinton. He claims that Parliament created the the lighter thing. Now, whether or not that's true, it was in that Mike Judge show, the um, Tales from the Tour Bus. They talked about that. That's pretty fucking crazy. So okay, so now we're getting Gordo's other ear is getting blasted. is getting the treatment is getting blasted, and this is like this is like that triple rise insulation foam. Dude, it looks so funny. It looks like you've got gum stuck in your ear. Go, you can go into the camera and kind of. Okay, so now, now you got to remember to tell him to do what what I did, which is you got to move your jaw around. (laughs) You got to wiggle it around because, especially if you're a singer, and this is something Gianni told me, is if you're a singer, you need to like move it around so that the mold will move with. Yeah, I can feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that when they make the official mold. It'll it'll be something that has a little give room in your gotcha. in your ear canal. Do we have like you were doing vocals like on you were doing like all this shit? Oh so yeah, we have a guitar player. Ah! Like, and it's cool because if I go to a, a rehearsal, I'm like, hey, just play guitar. Just just grab your guitar and play your guitar, or like you know, if a drummer, play drums for a couple. Minutes. Just to see, like, so that just because some people grit, some people go. When they play, and some people have the open mouth, whatever it is, you just kind of have more... And you don't want it to hurt when you make the natural yeah. faces that you make when you're playing. That's such an interesting part of the process. So there's that a few different ways. Some people say to not do that. Some people say to do it. You know, And the thing is, is with the silicone mold, um, once they go to the lab and they come back, we try them out for a while. And if they work well, then we they keep them. But we can also modify them. That's part of our job just as a um, right. any kind of person who works with ear molds is to modify them or to have them remade. Well, get get in front of the mic here, real quick, Gordo. Can he hear you? Can you hear me? This is what hearing <laughs> barely. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, you can use it. <laughs> All right. So, how does it feel? It feels like I'm uh, very well filled in. Yeah. So this one I can take. <laughs> Gordo's talking like a guy on the bus who's like talking to you, but doesn't take his ear, ear like his headphones off. Or that scene in Saving Private Ryan where the guy had a grenade blow his ear out. And he's like, yeah, Private Ryan, he came through here last week. What? Saving Ryan's privates. <laughs> so so what do you what do you think, Gordo? Pretty Oh wow, look at that. Whoa. Whoa that's dude. awesome. That's look at that. Little, we long, like oh that. man, it looks like it looks like my son's that's penis. Good. I'm gonna check your ear to make sure. It looks like it looks like my son's tiny, bald, uncircumcised penis. But with a little, with a little, <laughs> with a little foam cylinder on the tip yeah, of it. Yeah, it's like a. Wow. It looks like it looks like my son's penis, like shooting out one like little megapixel of <laughs> megapixel. of gray urine. 
That's what it looks like. I'm trying to give an accurate description for people who are only getting the audio yeah, version exactly. of the show. We'll have to, we'll have to, this is why you have to watch the show. You have to subscribe yeah. to the YouTube channel. Well, hey, um, we're coming we'll up on 5 o'clock here. Yeah, so, so we're going to we're we'll gonna take a break. Yeah. We're going to take a break, and we're going to let Wiggins get out of here because he's got a hard out at 5. And then uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come in, and we're going to do some more of the podcast. And maybe if we're lucky, we can get John Fate to come in and sit down with us a little bit. So uh, we'll be right back. Thanks, those of you, for watching the live stream. Um, we're hoping going forward in the future we're going to be able to do uh, more episodes like this. Got to talk to Wiggins about how we're going to make that work out yeah. logistically. Right and um, and uh, for those of you who listen to the audio version of the podcast, uh, there's more episode to come. And uh, you guys can help us make sure that we do full episodes, full video episodes in the future by going to patreon.com slash mfruckus and becoming a patron. So uh, this is going to be the end of the, the live stream, but we'll be right back with more of the regular podcast. So uh, thanks. See you in a minute and goodbye. was fun the people the people a lot of fun the people who just watched the live stream are only gonna like they're not gonna get the good stuff this is gonna be like the real sticky icky it was perfect for the for the uh for the video oh for the demo the, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah man that was fun that was perfect didn't that was any, really cool didn't poke any uh tympanic <laughs> membranes out didn't oh. didn't poke any tympanic membranes <laughs> that's great how did it feel goro was it like super weird or what i'm a gentle gentle guy so yeah, no, okay. it, it, dude, you're getting you're getting like a surgeon now, like that surgical, like that gentle, like agility, that yeah. dexterity that surgeons get. <laughs> I'm They're, in there. I'm in there like a jackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> I go in like like I'm a Vietnam Green Beret, and like all my friends are behind all behind them in the enemy lines. <laughs> I'm very mysterious when I'm inside you. How's it? How's it sending now? What what, what do you need? Is it good? Just lower volume. That's Low, good. Lower volume. Really? Okay. Hey, uh, for those of you who are who are listeners of the audio version of the podcast, who have who have stuck around for the, you got You also have a volume on your thing. I, I might as well. Yeah, the, the, that volume thing. Is that? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Fancy. Fancy. Two thousand nineteen. I'm real technical bitches. with my. Wow. <laughs> so you, you got a thing really on your thing, you know. It, that's what happens when you uh, when you're drinking YOLO rum, I guess. <laughs> Oh yeah! Shout out to Yellow Rum. Yeah, mm. Just Yellow Yellow Rum, <laughs> dude. I didn't know. I didn't know that he was like like a like an owning partner in in yeah. Yellow Rum. Yeah. Like I've I've seen their billboards, man. Right. Like, but, good. hey, they must be big, man. I don't have my own rum rum company. <laughs> Top billing. Yeah, I'll tell you. You know, tasty. You know that was. Uh, you know, rum is like, rum is like what got America going, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Like sugarcane, like in the in the in the Caribbean, like yeah, that's. But, but that's, in particular, I gotta say, this rum is not. It's not too incredibly rummy. Yeah, you know good. what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's it's right in that sweet spot. Yeah, you know? it's good it's a, rum. It's a. I think he's. What did you say? There's. It's. Um, Oh, he said it right before he left. Now I'm gonna blow it. So gonna, he'll say it another. <laughs> he's time. gonna listen to the episode. And he's gonna be like, "No more live this streams for those guys. That guy's not getting no more rum. Fuck that." <laughs> Yeah, man. No, that was that was really cool of him to come down and do that, and and I hope we can do more episodes like that in the future, man. I'm, I'm 
curious to see how the numbers went on that. I would normally do the sponsors at this point, but we did the sponsors in the middle of the live stream. You, yeah, it's done. So you now it. now it's just like, I want to say what's up to a buddy of mine who just walked into the room, who uh, showed up at 420, I want to point out. I just wasn't able to answer the door when he showed up, but that's like the perfect time for this this guy to show up. Uh, this guy is the talent buyer and front of house engineer at the Little Bear Saloon in Evergreen. He is our tour manager. He is a longtime good friend and uh, just kind of a, a, an all-around renaissance man. Please welcome to the show my friend and yours, John motherfucking Fate. Welcome to the show, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thanks, man. Thanks, Thank- dudes. Thanks, uh, thanks for hanging out. Right on. Yeah, man. Yeah, we caught up. Yeah, it's good. Dude, that's the thing. Is like I heard you guys talking in the hall, and uh-huh. it's like I heard you guys talking and John and Gordo talking, and it's just like introducing themselves and then going, oh, wait, we know each other. Oh, wait, we've known each other for a long time. Oh, wait, we work together on this and this and this. Aren't and you my biological exactly. father? <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible these days, I guess. Yeah. How are you, man? Well, dude, just trying to rock and keep on rolling and all the above. So I was thinking of a story, and I want to tell the story of the first time I met you. Okay. And I know you don't remember the first time I met you. Okay. <laughs> Have we talked about this before, the first time that I met you? Uh, this is good. You're going to like this. Maybe. This is good. Uh, so the first time I met you was when I worked at the Rockaway. Okay. I and remember that, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I was working probably. Oh, well, no, no, no. Oh, you were not working. To, okay, I remember meeting you. Yeah, sure. You were not. You were not. I working. rode my bike there that night. I think this was okay. So I'm working the Rockaway one night, and it's not a particularly busy night. There's no bands playing or anything. It's like kind of quiet, and there's just a few people hanging out. And John wanders in with a group of his friends. Just drunk, just shit faced, just like partying. Like he was out with his friends, like they were going to bars and shows and stuff. And I swear to God, the way I remember you is wearing sunglasses at night. Like you walked it. Like my first memories they of were you. Prescription. <laughs> my, my first memories of you are you like walking in, looking like the consummate party guy. Like you just got this big shit eating grin on your face and like, you know, you're like, you know, kind of scraggly and you got your sunglasses on, you walk in and you've got like some like, you've got a t-shirt on, but you've also got some sort of loud party shirt on outside of it. <laughs> like uh, it wasn't like a Hawaiian made shirt. That up. No, I'm not, ma- well, maybe I'm coloring this part of the story. <laughs> I don't know. That, but, I don't, that would be a first for me. I think if I had a, a, a loud party shirt on <laughs> over a band shirt. If, I mean, uh, that'd be, I, might, I might start doing that, though, actually. <laughs> it looked like I you... I could get away with it in the mountains. The way I... Yeah, you could. You definitely could live in up in the mountains. Uh, it was like a corduroy jacket. That so yeah. John walks that's in wearing this jacket. button-up shirt that's covered with uh, red fish donuts. You right. Know, yeah, you <laughs> see those it. all over. That's the one. Yeah. No, I, I remember you coming in. The, the reason maybe my brain is ascribing the, the party shirt is because I remember seeing you come in and literally thinking you walked in like you owned the place. Like, this is what I remember, okay? Is you walked in and paid me no mind, and you and your group of friends went up to the sound booth, and you just started playing with the soundboard. And, like, like we were playing. I do remember meeting you then. I do. Because I... 
that here, here's what you didn't know. I had already mixed a couple shows there. Oh, I know that now. I know that okay. after. I knew that after the fact. After we got to know each other. I thought you were going to gotcha. say go in and play some big buck hunter, and they just fucked it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no! Speaking of, real real quick aside. So I was at work the other night, and um, you can tell whoever's managing behind the bar at Fire on the Mountain by what the playlist is. <laughs> Okay, like when I'm working, it's almost always either Thin Lizzy or John Prine Radio. Damn, always, hang out. like or oh, like hey. or like like Thin Lizzy or Steve Earl Radio, something like that. It's either sad bastard country, like modern country, '90s lib country is what I would call it. You know, '70s, '80s, '90s lib country. What does lib stand for? Liberal, you know, liberal uh, progressive country. Like Snowflakes. I don't watch a lot of news. Ro- Ro- <laughs> Robert Earl Keane and John Prine and poet country, Towns Van Zant, Steve. Heroin country. There we go. You know, uh, uh, almost so the like, good country. Yeah, almost like grunge country. You know that era of country music. Blaze Foley is another one. Mm-hmm. You know, Lucinda Williams. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, people like that. Like that's the stuff that John I, Moreland, right? You've gotten into him. John Moreland's the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, who's who's the other one? Jillian Welch. I like Jillian Welch a lot. Um, you know, but stuff like that. Uh, oh, um, what's his name? The guy who did the song from Knocked Up. That's my daughter in the water. Uh, Luden Wainwright. Mm. Luden R- Wainwright. Luden? Loudon? L- L- Loudon Wainwright. Louder? Louder? Uh, <laughs> uh, Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> yep. You know, kind of kind of that era. Like The term alt-country gets thrown around a lot, but I think that's what generally what they're referring to when they refer to alt-country. So it's either that or Thin Lizzy, right? So that's usually what I listen Dude, to. Dude, the fact that you said, like, just, you're like, it's that, like the most, like, so much detail in all those country bands, or Thin Lizzy, well, and I'm like, that's... Thin Lizzy Thin speaks for itself. my fucking favorite, like... Rock and roll band, there, dude. Right? The, the most underrated rock band. Yeah, they're not of all underrated. Time. I think. Well, who to who? Because I am like a person who is like, you don't like Thin Lizzy. What well, die die hard Thin Lizzy, Lizzy fans love them, but like people who are unfamiliar with them, and it's mostly American classic rock audiences that are unfamiliar with right. them. I get you. You know, uh, like. There's like the diehard kind of '70s arena rock fans that like are like fuck yeah, Thin Lizzy. But you know, the, those are like people who know like the deeper bands like Triumph right. and and I don't know fucking uh, what's what's another good example of a band from that like um, uh, what was the band that Rory Gallagher was in before he became Rory Gallagher? Um, oh, I know the name, but I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But bands like that, mm-hmm. you know, there are some people, but for the most part in the U.S., the, the Thin Lizzy is just kind of, like, tragically underknown. Dude, Except I, for there's, like, this emerging interest in them, and I'd say probably the last 10 years, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the, like, young rock revivalist hipsters like us get into them. Okay. You know what I mean? Dude. But... Um, it took you on a different stream, but I just want yeah. to say it. Like, no, no, dude, no. Thin Lizzy is... Dude, like, wait, Scott Gorham wait uh, are Brian you guys thinking what I'm thinking? What? Should we start a Thin Lizzy cover band? <laughs> so Logan had an idea to start a Thin <laughs> Lizzy cover band. I think you guys did a tribute band, and it was fucking... We did a tribute show, a Thin Lizzy tribute show. Uh, Tony couldn't come out for it, so Fedoa yep. uh, sat in on guitar. Dude, I, like, was... If you talk about the FOMO, I was, like, really upset. <laughs> bummed we didn't bring you in no, on it? No, no, not that. No, I was, like, bummed I didn't go see the, the mm. performance, dude. And you guys only played two shows, but I was, like... We did you, only play two you shows. You said... Yeah. You explained to me, like, who was playing in the band, and I was, like... Dude, that's like a perfect kind of rendition of what Thin Lizzy really could good. be. And I was like, if these dudes land any of those leads, dude, I'll be like, mm, it was know, a lot of you work. Know they did. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It dude. was a I've, lot of work. I've learned a lot of their songs just for fun, you know. And like, dude, that fucking dude, those leads are. 
Dude, the songwriting. The songwriting. The songwriting is like they were way ahead of their time. But so when I'm listening to that playlist, it's a lot of sometimes I have to skip stuff because it's off brand. Like we have because I don't know if you know um, Biscuit's wife, Irma. She's a friend of ours from the Turbo Ugand, but she like likes Morrissey and The Clash and and uh and like uh, English beat and stuff like that. So when she's working, that's going on. We actually got a negative Yelp review at work because some people came in when she was like was listening like to Morrissey sad. radio. She said, like, I thought you guys played like jam bands here. I want to hear the dead and fish and stuff. Dude, right. But I, I get away with the Thin Lizzy station because it's classic rock. Mm-hmm. And so you get like Rainbow and Bad Company oh, and blue, tons of Blue Oyster Cult on oh, Thin early, Lizzy radio. Early, dude. But early you, Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, yeah, dude. It's so good. <laughs> And, uh, but so whenever I'm working, that's what you hear. And then there's another guy who, when he's working there, it's all like Allman Brothers radio. So it's all those type of bands. And then there's the people that when they're working, it's all like Tribe Called Quest radio. Mm -hmm. There's one guy, this guy, Matt, who works there. His name's Matt Bound. I call him Downtown Matt Bound. (laughs) And he loves bluegrass. Uh, Most importantly, he loves Billy Strings. Do you know who Billy Strings is? Don't want to. Yeah. Well, no, dude. Bluegrass hurts me a little bit. Bluegrass, I'm like, oh, John dude. goes, don't want to. <laughs> I, I know. I'm aware. Yeah. It's so, just okay. a lot of in-your-face strings going it's an, on. Well, I you mean, also it work It could be tastefully act- done, and by, that's actually a good spot for me to, to plug a new bluegrass band that actually kicks ass. Okay. They're called Armchair Boogie. Armchair Boogie. Okay. Check them out. Yeah. I got to mix them once and book them, and they're blowing up. They just released their second album, I think, yesterday. But seriously, cool. Armchair Boogie, it's a real good yeah. bluegrass band out. with real songs. Dude, like, you you, you mix a lot of bluegrass, don't you? Because you're up yeah, in Yeah, and that's why I was like, oh, yeah. Just a lot of strings. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I think if you live in Colorado, you have... It, you're like either you're really really into like bluegrass and jam or you're like everybody else in the state of Colorado and you're like <laughs> you're like there's Fuck. some really good ones out there, there are. uh Flexigrass is an amazing bluegrass band uh and they're called that because there's a clarinet and what was the other instrument oh vibraphone oh it's neat. a bluegrass band with a clarinet and vibraphone that's really neat beautiful that's really like armchair boogie into, seriously yeah. blew me away mm-hmm. yeah. what'd you say that sounds like something i could get into it's yeah. cool dude I it's real pleasing give it a more of a chance but you say bluegrass and i'm like oh man. so there's it's just got a <laughs> negative connotation so now, like think, but if you if you're breaking boundaries oh yeah come on it, it does it, it does it's it's an interesting community because it's like it's like people who are really into shreddy metal bands right okay like when Jerry Garcia first started the Grateful Dead, and I'm learning all this stuff because I work at kind of a like a jammy yeah, you're spot. You're like right? a culture shock there. Dude. It's interesting. No, that's but a here's good education, the thing, dude. Is they they pigeonhole me a little bit. Like um, the gal who does all our merch, she just got a bunch of trucker hats made, a bunch of black trucker hats with fire on the mountain patches on. She's like, I thought of you when I had these made. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then downtown Matt Bound is like, did you cry it, on your tuber? Like, you can invest? No, no, no. No, <laughs> no but then, then, so like downtown Matt Bound is like playing bluegrass, and he's like, he's like, so as a metal guy, does this just do nothing for you? And I'm like, where is this idea? Why are you guys pigeonholing me as like a quote unquote metal guy? It's like I'm not just like black shirt trucker hat. Right. I won't listen to anything right. that you know doesn't have a dude in a fucking denim vest in it. Like I like all kinds of music. Well, it's funny because like you, it's funny. Because within the genre, you're a rock and roll guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, well, you, but you have a very and, open mind, and you just yeah, appreciate yeah. good music. I like all music. Yeah, and I feel like same. I yeah. feel like within my thing, I'm like, like I'm a de- I'm a fucking metalhead. I love death metal and black metal, all that shit. But I'm like, dude, when it comes down to it, I'm a rock and roll guy. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's 
and that can be a lot of shit. You know what I mean? So that's I'm just you, I'm just a good mm. music guy. Mm. Do you, you know? think classical music can be considered rock and roll? To some extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah for because I do too. That was a test. That was a test. You're good. <laughs> it's the original. Sorry, I just, I the original see rock how and roll. Your mind, mine was. Yeah. So 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 anyway. Did I clip so the mic? I'm sorry. Down downtown town downtown Matt Bound. You can always tell when he's working because he's listening to usually Billy Strings radio. Mm-hmm. And like, what's interesting about bluegrass is like, think about. Um, when Jerry Garcia, when the Dead first started up, and Jerry, even before the Dead started up, Jerry Garcia was really like obsessed with really high level bluegrass, and it's like it's Which like back you, then was every it's bluegrass a huge band thing that was popular, right? In the sixties, like fifties and sixties, you know, like you know, yeah, someone every, like that's pretty general. Someone like Doc Watson, you know, like just an amazing level of. What, what what's cool about bluegrass is it's not necessarily about the songs because all the songs have more or less the same structure. It's more like blues where it's like within the parameters of those desirable limitations, you know, these people are able to create, you know, play the mandolin this fast, mm-hmm. play the banjo this fast. Like, look at the licks they're able to do. So there's this guy, Billy Strings, who's kind of a newer... Um, uh, bluegrass dude but one of his his things is he was a metal dude forever he played in a bunch of metal bands so he's really into sick fucking jack off yeah jack off metal riffs and stuff Mm -hmm. and now he plays bluegrass and he's incredibly successful at it you know sells out three nights in a row here in here in Denver whatever you know big 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 guy but he incorporates that into his stuff a lot so he does like bluegrass covers of Black Sabbath songs oh, I might and have Thin Lizzy that. songs, and th- like he has his own stuff too. Uh-huh. But then there's like live things that he does where he gives nods to the bands that he was into before he got into bluegrass. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting parallel there. You know how, what I mean? How are the original songs? Just curious, and I would like to say they sound like s- bluegrass songs. I would like to say a small disclaimer when I said I didn't want to hear them. That was <laughs> I was just trying to be funny. No, I hey. do give every band a chance. I say, yeah, you were the one but, who put the note on the board at Three Kings that said every band is someone's favorite band. That's true. And, and that, I still believe it. Dude, one of my favorite That's things awesome. about going on tour with it's you, true, John, dude. is true. you you have you have the best set of road ethics out of anyone I've ever met. Like you you are the ideal tour. And that tour was a manager. wild tour. Dude, I was slacking off on that tour, honestly. I wish that we could you just take paid for my plane ticket. I wish <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's the thing is I wish we could afford to take you on tour more because just like philosophically you and I see eye to eye on the way that the road is supposed to work and what a reciprocal relationship it's supposed to be and how important it is and and when you were at Three Kings you had this you had this personality that really stood out among you know some of the the vibes that may have been present there which was like hey every band is somebody's favorite band be kind be respectful you know you had that drummer's got a drum fucking thing going for a bit on that, twitter you know oh like, yeah yeah like dude you're That's just still going in spirit i'm still writing down drummer quotes from time to time <laughs> dude it's like uh what's what's that movie that uh came out that harmony corinne put out with snoop dogg and and sean penn uh fucking oh the beach bum Oh, I, like, yeah, I saw that. I, I swear to God, like so many of the elements of that character were just like 
drawn from John Fate. Like they just like cartoon of it. Yeah, man. The Beach but, Bum. All right, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, good. That's saw, my next move. Dude. I saw the like the DVD in the store, and I was like, I want to watch. Them. But but that? yeah. So so just a quick aside. Like that that is that is a feeling that I have for you, and I Thanks, I admire man. you a great deal because well, of likewise, brother. But anyway, uh, so so one night. Um, Matt is like you can always tell Matt's working because it's just bluegrass mm-hmm. all night, and that's the thing. Even the best bluegrass players in the world, like I can't come close to doing anything that any of those guys can do. Of course, but it is pretty much the same song for an entire night, <laughs> and we're just standing there, and there's nothing really going on. You can tell that everybody on staff is kind of over it, and and I'm just kind of looking around, and I go, "And anybody else just want to go play Buck Hunter all of a sudden?" Because <laughs> that's like what. That's like what the soundtrack to Big Buck Hunter is. is you just start like, seeing cross-eyed and there's banjos yeah, instead so, of deer. You shot a doe. <laughs> <laughs> Extra two points for the mandolin in the corner. <laughs> Harmonica, get it with the bow. Yeah, for sure. That yeah, shit will yeah. drive me insane. Let me ask you yeah. a weird question if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. It's a f- kind of a rhetorical, philosophical question about bluegrass music that I just kind of thought of. Do you think that the legends back in the day that inspired the Grateful Dead and stuff like that and and everyone since then explored the genre so well so quickly that everyone since then has just been trying to get back to that and that's why everything sounds the same now I, I think is, is oh that, I have a good uh, answer you know for that I mean? question yeah because Gordo actually used to be involved in he was trying to be a bluegrass guitar player for a while right trying to be is the operative phrase <laughs> <laughs> well please ring trying in trying to yeah. have a career in the music business yeah in um, general in general, in general uh, no I would say I would say you're actually pretty 95% on the head with that huh. because where I'm from in Kansas there's a weird there was a weird thing going on in kind of the uh, the early to I don't know mid 2000s and that whole bluegrass movement there was it, it was very inspired by Split Lip Rayfield okay the huge Legend. band and you, yeah you, you know these guys yeah yeah these guys were one of their primary influences is punk rock and, and heavy metal and they brought that in and they had no compunction they had no they didn't see a conflict of interest in bringing in everything that influenced them into the the bluegrass genre right and they could all rip like they could all just fucking dominate but what they did is that they did something novel and that they brought in the songwriting of like Iron Maiden, right? You know, or they're a heavier know. band, right? Like they they have more rock and roll sensibilities, right? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what you mean by heavier because it still is those same instruments, right? right? You know, yeah, it's it's the same. same is there a drum kit or there's no? A, no, Dude, there's there's the a gas tank bass. Like everywhere. the bass player uses one string. Wait, gas tank bass? Gas tank bass. Sweet. Yeah, it's from an old Ford. I've heard of uh, and like bathtub or what is it called? The old yeah. tubs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, seeing like Jeff Eaton play this bass is like was one of the most formative things for me in my. They're know, big. They're a big up. granny influence, right? Yeah, like, they're huge. They're huge. And and Scrote Belly before that, that was their electric band. Scrote Belly. Yeah. <laughs> They're they're badass, That's dude. Awesome. A, but a, your scrote can't even touch your belly. How does that work? <laughs> they figured it out in Kansas. <laughs> they did. They found a formula. <laughs> they cracked the it's code. It's called lots and lots of corn and lots and lots of runza. Uh, lo- lots Wait, of, is that Nebraska? Lots of corn-fed Hessians. Did they in, simplify in the songs, Splitfield? Are uh, they a simplified version? Because. Just because you can rip on an instrument doesn't necessarily mean you should all the time. You know, right? It's more exactly. But that's, when you hold back. That's exactly what they did. Is that they they kind of did they rip wor- all the time, or did they they 
bring they, it back down to like a pop sensibility. They more like riff. actually like were more riff oriented. You okay, know what I mean? Okay. Like they, they were way more into like the riff thing and they could rip a solo, but they would take, they would be like, you know what? We'll do this in 30 seconds and we're done. Whereas like a lot of they'd jam bands, right. like they're just like, well, let's just stretch yeah, this see where out. We can go, guys. Let's just see where yeah. we can explore. Let's, <laughs> Sorry. Man, let's just really Some explore the space good. here. So they almost know? had like more of a, like a, a punk rock sensibility where it's like, very much so. It's like an arrangement of patterns at like, almost like, I saw Johnny Manic and the Depressives one time, and I was talking to Johnny Manic after the show, and I was like, I was like, and I knew that everybody in the band was uh, into skateboarding, and I was like, it's interesting that all you guys are into skateboarding because listening to your songs is like listening to a line of skate tricks, because basically they took patterns which were modeled after their forebears of punk rock you could hear stuff that had these like ramones elements to it and you could hear these things that had like uh god i, I don't know um like cocksparer elements like you could you could hear different things that they did uh you know circle jerks things like you could hear things that they did and you could detect where they came from and it seemed very deliberate but personalized, much like someone who's a professional skateboarder does a line of tricks using tricks that other people have created, but making them their own. Right. You know what I mean? So when, when I say they had that like punk rock sensibility, I mean like taking riffs, like more arranging a song in terms of like it's an arrangement of riffs in a certain pattern. But the, the, the bluegrass community, they can sometimes be a very fickle crowd right. like they don't they don't always i mean like in okay so this was you what you were going to tell us about the like purism exactly thing. like this is what i was getting to is like you know there's this there's this so if you have this kind of movement coming in that's like you know young upstarts playing the you know, putting their punk rock and uh-huh. and their metal into uh-huh. this genre sounds it's, familiar it's really not it's really not kosher you know what i mean so like there were right. I, I heard from a lot of like you know uh, purists or traditionalists whatever you want to call them um, and I had a band of my own at that time, around that same time, that was influenced by what they were doing, and it was definitely more in the rock vein. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, well, you know, yeah, what you're doing doesn't really count, you know. There, it's, it's there not are really, it's haters, not, dude. That it's, happens it's, in a well, lot of yeah, genres. No idea, but no, that's like and it, no, it's no different than any other genre. That's what I was going to say. It's like yeah, it's like really blues, no different than any just, other genre. Yeah, in that little corner, like, you know, there's there's purists and iconoclasts in any genre. Yeah, and what's interesting. And I was reading about I was reading about the idea of uh, cultural appropriation today, and just how all cultures appropriate, and how. And another thing came to mind, which is this idea of like the fear of creating derivative work, and it's like all work is derivative, because we are primates, and primates mimic each other, and we follow templates. And we, you know, that saying monkey see, monkey do. Well, I was, I don't know. I was created by an intelligent designer. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, but I, what, I, what I mean is like, like, okay, before we evolved into, you know, homo sapiens, you know, even before we evolved into the preforms, like the, the, the missing links and Neanderthal and all the other, like the Australopithecus and all of that, like when we were monkey monkeys, out, you know, out on the Serengeti picking fleas off of each other. It's like we saw one alpha dig a hole with a stick and pull ants out and eat the ants. And then we went, and then we grabbed a stick and we went over and we started digging a hole in the ground. 
and we pulled out the ants and ate them. That is the same model that we use to create art. You know, we learn from someone else. It's like you read any rock star biography and it's like, I was like, you read Slash's biography and it's all, I was listening to Aerosmith and I was listening to this band and I was listening to that band and I was watching this player and I just wanted to be them. And I modeled that. And then my own style came through that. So in any genre, there is, there are the purists who think that derivation, is that the right word? like stepping away from the path kind of thing is like well they think that oh, it's devi- deviation that, or? no like i mean like derivation like deriving oh, derive yeah like to derive yeah, I see from what you're saying yeah they think that the pure derivation is paramount and then you have the iconoclasts who their whole thing is like i grew up on this I can't help but be influenced by it, but I'm going to deviate and channel those skills through my own personality and my own physiology and my own experience and my own amalgam of other influences that are coming in. And you see, and I, and I, hate, I hate to see that art forms which have come from other art forms can be puritanical like that. Like you look at something like heavy metal, which came from neoclassical music and rock and roll, which came from the blues. And yet you'll have bands from subcategories and metal that just go, oh, that's not true Norwegian black metal, <laughs> or that's not true doom, or that's not, that's not thrash. Or you have people that are like punk rockers Punk rockers and diehard metalheads seem to be some of the most, um, God, what's the term? Dunderheaded? Well, the most, um, the most, (laughs) the most uh, identitarian about who they, about their genre. It's like, you've got your jacket full of patches and it's like, here are the accepted patches on the jacket. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, the iconoclast of the metalhead is like, oh, he's got like a Lincoln Park patch. Right, it's like and a, automatically like, and out. A Burzum, <laughs> and then like a thin Lizzie, and they're like, what the fuck is this guy thinking? He can't be into all of that shit. Like, I can't classify this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, now he's fuck? a hippie or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. it's like, <laughs> this is just a wook. I use the word. Uh, oh, he <laughs> oh, used the word. He used the W that's word. That's Howard. Oh, no. Oh, man. No, but it's like, I, I just think that that's such an interesting thing that like, for a style of music that came as a rebellious act from the mainstream would adopt such stringent policies regarded to what is part of their genre, right? And then something like bluegrass. Bluegrass is a very, like, like necessarily its roots music. It comes from, like, working people who were trying to maintain their humanity and maintain their connection to life, you know, in, in desperate privation, you know, even though they, they were poor and had so many things that weren't going for them. And that, you know, with the blues and with, with all these forms of music, it's like the creation of that music, the choice to create music and make these beautiful things together just based on what you had around that is such a beautifully rebellious act 
and definitely goes against the status quo. And it is certainly not what the rich landowners or uh, uh, or you know, other people at the top of the hierarchy were doing to these dispossessed people would have wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, the night that I met John Faith, <laughs> he comes. He comes into. He comes. Uh, he comes in, and he just takes his friends, and they pay me no mind. And this is like this is kind of early on in my bartending career, and it's the Rockaway. Which and, was brand new. Which was brand new, and it was in a rough part of town. Yeah. So I was. You must have thought you're getting jacked by the streets. I or didn't. Hey, man. All I know is that he came walking in, went up to the booth, and just started mixing the music that was playing on the PA. He just got on the board and was like showing his friends the board. He's like, oh no, check it out. And he's like EQing the song that's on <laughs> and just like doing his John Fate front of house dude stuff. Grinning ear to ear like he does. Probably fucking, you know, three sheets to the wind and blunted out of his gourd. Just two. Just two. Just two. <laughs> we, were, we were on our way home. Yeah. And gets and gets up and I lost my temper. And I went up and I grabbed him. And I escorted him and his friends to the front door, and I and I kicked him out. And I'm like the whole time, like just like going off. And the whole time, John is just smiling, and he's just like he said he said nothing to me. He just kept smiling and was just like whatever, and just right out the door. Like he understood. He didn't fight it. He didn't try and reason with me or anything. He's like I got out the fucking door. And then that's that's the first time that's the first time that I met you. Wow. And that made a lot of sense, or that would have made a lot of sense if I was a complete stranger to the, to the venue. Oh in yeah, that part of town. And as I well. thought you were because we were right across the street from Bar Bar. And oh yeah, and and I, I mean, and it used to be very different, you know, of course. And yeah, um, wow, interesting. I but remember it, most of that. Here's yeah. here's the thing. I <laughs> most of that. <laughs> so this was kind of at the end of my marriage, and I missed out on a lot of. A lot of scene stuff. Like I had kind of spent so many years doing the the homebody thing, and I only really got out to play my own shows. And so there's a lot of bands I didn't know about. I wasn't like my bandmates who were going to Three Kings on a regular basis. Like Tay was a man about town. Mm-hmm. He was going to shows five or six nights a he, week. He is. He still, still is. is yeah. <laughs> he still is. You know, and Tony was living with him at the time, so Tony was a man about town, and Logan was a man about town, and this is before Ty, you know, and Jesse got together, so Ty was out and about a lot more. You know, they had the band houses going on. I missed a large, I would say a five to six year period during the time that I was in a long-term relationship where I just wasn't going to shows, I wasn't hanging around those places, I knew people kind of lightly, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a regular staple of the scene, you know what I mean? So I didn't know John like probably everybody else in town knew him. I didn't know him like, especially the people at the Rockaway did, I didn't know he had mixed there. I had no previous information. So as far as I was concerned, some drunk dude, some drunk party animal, and I <laughs> With swear sunglasses to God, he had sunglasses on. Like, he, oh, no, for sure. That was for sure. The way, that I, the way that I remember you looking was looking, you remember that episode of The Simpsons with Poochie? <laughs> Uh-uh. Dude, the whole time you've been saying, I've been th- dude, I'm like, are you just, are you just, just like Chip and Dale? Like, it's like, <laughs> dude, totally. Just like him, just like looking like Corey Haim from License to Drive. 
You know what I mean? Just yeah, like missing all consummate. these references. I gotta make a list. I've not seen any of these things. I mean, You're like writing up a list of movies yeah, you gotta watch it to. Uh, supposedly I look like this and this and that. Like Michael Anthony and Hall like and Weird Science. Dish. Yeah, totally. Michael Michael Anthony Hall and Weird Science. Now <laughs> I have seen that. Okay, I do own that so there you go. TV, yeah. That's a great one. So you there you, you like. You like looked like But that's a little extreme. You looked like a fun <laughs> 80s party guy. And you just walked in just like in the hey like the, the the thing that you do. And and as far as I was concerned, you were just a random drunk guy that was getting into shit wow. because I had we're been right next to Colfax and Well, dude, and the Rockaway was an insane asylum. It was nuts. My first night I ever worked there, which was probably honestly the night before I met you. Mm-hmm. I think I was like Dude, I got this sweet job, and I just graduated college, all stoked, you know. And I was already working at Three Kings, I think. And, right. Oh, that's it. Must have been how it happened, you know. But right. Uh, but anyways, the first night I I worked there, when I left, I went to use the urinal before I rode my bike home because I'm responsible, and uh, and I also wasn't drinking on the job. But a guy was sleeping in the urinal. Oh, yeah, urinal. Yeah, oh, yeah, sitting sitting on the floor, had his head in the urinal, and I was like, "It'll be okay, buddy." <laughs> I tapped him on the shoulder, like, "It'll be all right." And then I left and told oh, the manager, man. "Like, dude, you should go in there. There's someone not doing well." Dude, the, I wow. love that place. That was kind of too short lived. The Rockaway Ooh. was like it was meant to be, I think, which is why it was so cool. The Rockaway was like Three Kings and Fifteenth Street Tavern's creepy cousin. And I remember I was talking to Jim about it, <laughs> which is really scary. I was talking to Jim about it and didn't even know he owned both of them. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I was not shit talking Rockaway. Dude, they but I no was kind of <clears throat> Rockaway had multiple owners. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, too many owners. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of this, it like happens in any business. Like one, one thing that I've, I've learned over the years, and, and, and I've actually read this in a couple you know, articles by entrepreneurial types where they're like, no partners. Like don't have partners of anything in anything if you can avoid it. Like you can have collaborators. Like in a mm-hmm. band, you have collaborators. Right. But I have found our band works better with one person in charge. Right. Like we make decisions together, but but I run the band. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's and it's functioned better you since can't then. Not have a captain of a ship. Right. right. You got to have the captain of the ship. And what happened at the Rockaway is there was. Wasn't there like six owners in that place? I never got into that part of it at all. Dude, I, it, just, I think I mixed no two idea. or three shows there, and that's and it. And that was it. That was it. Did you mix that Andrew W.K. show, that's the worst a, thing that ever happened? No, dude. but man, I wish I would have. Probably wouldn't have sucked. It, was, it that, was bad. I mean, there wasn't really that many shows there. I, mean, I mixed there was the a, Dendrites there. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, some punk show with like eight bands. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what but happened to the Andrew W.K. Oh, yeah. show? Uh, so Andrew W.K. does his tour with the band, he which is awesome. Himself, right? But this was one of the tours that he did by himself. And so what it is is Andrew W.K. and a piano, and he came to town, and he was partying with people because this was during... This was before he became life coach, Andrew W.K. Like, I love, I mean, I love classic Andrew W.K., but I love new Andrew W.K. It is, like, so positive Mm -hmm. and just, like, it's, like, all new Andrew W.K. songs are, like, you can't do it. Life (laughs) is great. Life is awesome. Sometimes it's hard. I got your back. Like, dude, like, he is new Andrew W.K. (laughs) There's there's an album that he put out, like, a couple years ago. 
Dude, there's dude, good on him. There's a song, an album that he put out a couple years ago. It's called like Always by Your Side or something like that, or Never Walk Alone or something like that. And the album cover is Andrew WK standing in the middle of like a dark street in like a little suburban neighborhood, and there's like monsters and snakes creeping around and stuff like that. And it's like his way of saying like, yeah, even when you're walking down the street late at night, Andrew WK's got your back, <laughs> like. This was before that. This was in the like party hard, party hard, yeah. party 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 hard, party hard, party hard. So <laughs> it's a classic. Andrew WK did this show, and he was so fucked up, and he was coked out of his fucking yapper. And he showed up with no band, and he had, and it was just him on a piano. What was this? Oh, and what, what, what? like and an electronic piano or like a? Maybe, I mean, it was, it was an electric. It was an electric. It was, it was like an electric, electric piano, piano yeah. that he plugged into the PA system. Oh, that must have sounded. And horrible. he's like doing his songs at the Rockaway, and his voice is shot. And you remember at that time that room sounded like shit. Yeah. Because it was a giant cavernous echo chamber. With a couple of mirrored walls. You know what they did to dude, dampen the sound? There, so really. one of the owners... Put dude, up a the, fence? The owners, like a steel fence? The owners, <laughs> dude, the owners at that place Put up were, could wire, not have right been right more up. different. It's like, it's like Jim Norris from Three Kings... And then Mike Martinez, who was like in Black Lamb and like involved in 15th Street Tavern at some point. And then Chris, who owned the junkyard, Freedom Auto, like he was an owner there. He took tires from the junkyard and cut them up and screwed him to the ceiling. I do remember that. I and remember that was his that. idea of sound room. He's like, yeah, the sound will just bounce off the I ceiling. I thought they were trying yeah, to do like a brilliant. Wayne's World like, <laughs> gas works thing cool. with that. I didn't realize that was like an cool. acoustic dampening. Yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> and then you had like two kind of rich guys that liked, you know, just liked rock and roll shows. Like those, and those guys would come around and just see the insanity that was going on in that place and the <laughs> drugs and the, dude, just nonsense uh, that, that was going on That place really there. was like, I will say from like a party goer, like I like lived through the cool years through those, like of going there. Cause I was like, you could smoke in here and like, was it really only no open rules. like eight months though? Or Not no? very long. Yeah. It wasn't dude, open very it, long. It really Plus did function. Cool years. When you partied there, <laughs> it was fucking fun. It dude. functioned like, more like a speakeasy. For sure. And, um, and it was real close to Ron's. Yep. An acronym for Ruin Our Night. And that was also just uh-huh. like that, that <laughs> area the the right there was like, they're like, dude, go to Lodo and be a fucking dork. Or you can come to like the rock and roll area yeah. where it is kind of scary. You, like, can, you can go yeah. you can go to the Triangle and go to Bar Bar yeah. and go to Rockaway and go to uh, Curtis Street. Yeah. And oh, then, dude, Curtis Street was so cool. And I then finish that. your night Metal at Ron's. too, if you're feeling Metal fancy. Yeah. yeah. And then finish your night at fucking, well, and finish your night, start your morning <laughs> at Ron's dude when I got my second DUI that ultimately led to me quitting drinking and drugs I mean it took it took a long time to get past it I mean right. it was four years after that but the DUI that I got that led ultimately to me quitting drinking and drugs I got because I stayed at Ron's all night just dude. getting fucking annihilated dude. and drove home coked out at, coked and drunk out of my skull at the crack of dawn and got pulled up, drove all the way to Highlands Ranch oh my God. and got pulled over. And this cop pulled me over and my ex-wife's windows didn't work. So I like opened the door, oh, which is a scary, giant dude. red flag. And I'm just like reek of booze and my pupils are the size of fucking silver dollars. You know, oh. it was, yeah. Anyway, 
So the Rockaway was a fun place. Dude, Rockaway was fun. <laughs> and that's where we first <laughs> and met. And that's where we met. To round okay, that story up. Now let's do 45 minutes of how you and I met. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Honestly, dude, I don't remember. No, I want to say this. I don't remember. I want to say this that I knew of you long before I met you. That's and I not met a good you. Thing. No, I Stalker. met you. I, <laughs> dude, I met you multiple times before we had finally like been cohesively met each other and talked. Like, what, I'd seen, what do you mean? I'd seen fourth year freshman. I'd seen like I'd like ran into you in like different places. Like had shook your hand, been introduced to you, saw you around places, seen shows and stuff. But we never like really talked. You know what I mean? It was just right. one of those like, you know, it is. You know, you're fucking. There's a big group of metalheads standing around smoking, and a big group of like the punk rock kids crash into each other, and they say, "Uh, blah," blah and everyone starts talking and shaking hands and high fiving. And right. hey, this is blah blah blah, and this is blah blah blah, and this is blah blah blah, and this is blah blah. Oh, you know his band? And I was like, "Oh yeah, I know who Fourth Year Freshman." And it's like, right. And then you just just and then you fucking all gobble past each other, and you kind of disappear into a crowd. Right. And so many times that had happened between us, and someone was like, "You don't know Aaron Hell?" And I was like, "I don't think so." And then like. Somewhere along the lines, like it was either Three Kings or somewhere, we right. like sat down and talked, and it was like, yeah, this is the kind of guy. See, I probably, I, I here's the thing, I don't remember not knowing you. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. We just like, you know, it's one of those things where like when you are like, when you're in in the scene to where like you're in, you're playing in a band and you're like actively right. engaged. It's a lot of those like light touch relationships, Seriously. Yeah. and it's like. I remember you being a face in a familiar group of guys. For sure, dude. I mean, like when I was from 21 to 28, I was like bar dad. I, was I can't remember. Out, I, I never. I mean, that's I like crazy. I, dude, I can't even like, believe that you have an 18 year old child. Right. That and blows I, my and mind. And what's crazy is, you know, to get onto that, I don't want to get too much into it, but like, you know, it's one of those things where like I gave up a lot of reformable years to go chase fucking bars and getting out and seeing all these bands and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and, right. you know, and it's it's something that, you know, our relationship has recovered from that. But there was definitely a point when I was a fucking bar dad. And right. you know, what that means is that you basically, I would watch my daughter long enough that my parents would watch her and then I'd bail. You know, well, how old were you too? Dude, young. I mean, I was like 20. You were you know, super like, young. Yeah, 20, 21, 22. You know, and then we got older and we got closer and stuff. But, right. you know, so that was a long time. It was like, that's why when you say you're like, I didn't know you had a kid. And I was like, dude, who fucking would now? Right. You know, right. it was like I'm at a fucking Slayer show with a baby Bjorn. Like, dude, <laughs> but I, but I, but see, I get that, man. And it's like, it's one of the reasons I think we should show, like, like cut our parents and our grandparents' generation a little fucking slack. Right. Because they had kids way younger. Mm-hmm. My dad had me at 26, and he was already a fucking cop, dude. Like, oh, he already... Yeah. Dude, my dad, at 26, my dad had been a, got his badge in 79. I was born in 82. So That's by the wild. time I was born, my dad had a fucking career, dude. It's like dude. interview with the vampire. At like, 26. I was, was 14. I already had, like, a, a horse farm. Right, land, dude, like, my, <laughs> dad was, my dad was 23... <laughs> Getting married and starting a family. I'm you know like 35, what I mean? and I'm like, I think I might have my fucking break, dude. Like, yeah. I think I'm an adult now. It's <laughs> it's crazy. When I was 23, there's video of me from my 23rd birthday, where Ty comes walking to my room, and it just goes on to Ty, and he's like, "It's Aaron Howell's 23rd birthday. This motherfucker's <laughs> fucked up. Let's go check it out." And he comes into my room, and I'm on my bed. <laughs> And I'm bleeding oh my God. because we had been at a party earlier that night and I fell off a table and hit my head on the fucking, like, like some houses don't have the peep hole. They have the peep door yeah, you can oh look yeah. at. Oh. Or this house that had a peep door. I fell and sliced my head open. And my friends just took socks 
and tied them around each other and tied that around my head. So the video is just me like, with like <laughs> socks tied around my head to stop the bleeding. And I'm going, probably soaked in my own pee. And at that age, my dad had a house. Oh, right, dude. Oh, my God. He had, he was, he was an officer of the law with a <laughs> gun. Like he was, he was already getting like, like, in the paper for like going to like crime scenes and shit you know what I mean like my dad was a child with a child running into burning buildings and like he saved a TV once because he thought someone was like trapped inside a burning house you know what I mean like all that shit was going on right (laughs) but he still possessed the emotional maturity of a 26 year old and dude now I supervise a bunch of 23 26 year olds we got one girl who's 18 at work oh wow the fire mountain yeah and i'm 37 which one do you work at down south i work at the highlands one and so i'm like walking the floor gnashing my teeth and cussing under my breath about these goddamn kids (laughs) and then thinking about like my parents having kids at that age and thinking about my grandmother having kids at like 19 and shit like that and i think about young parents and I think about like what you went through and having ransom now mm-hmm. is the best that I could hope for Yeah, because if I had had him five years ago, six years ago, like anywhere, honestly, anywhere before years. five years ago, the last three years, even it wouldn't have gone well. I would have I would have fucked up and I would have I would have fucked up whatever relationship it was. I would have fucked up I would have fucked up my relationship with my child like I would have been a maniac because young people are maniacs and we're living to be much older now and like I feel like people stay younger much oh, longer God, now. People yeah. You know, we're going to see we're going to be the first generation to see people live to be 100 and 120 years old on with fair regularity. Dude, in the industry I work in, man, I see. I was surprised how many like actual hundred and something year olds I like had seen come yeah. in, and I was like, I was like, I thought this shit was just like TV shit. You know, I no, think people I was, like, live I was, way like, longer now. You know, I met like a man who was cool. one hundred and two years old and shook my hand, and I looked in his fucking eyes, and I was like, dude, I, what? Dude, you know I mean? five hundred years ago, people like the the life expectancy, the average life expectancy was like thirty two years old. Right. Now, keep in mind, a big reason for that is because the infant mortality rate was so astronomically high, which has also gone way, way down. Yeah, very minute death, infant death. Like, I want to say the the infant mortality rate in sub-Saharan Africa is now for the first time closing in on the infant mortality rate in Europe. Oh, wow. Like, in Europe... Like, I want to say they're 50 years behind Europe or something like that. You know, sub-Saharan wow. Africa. That's fucking crazy, dude. Like, it's it's that, that, like we're going to see that in our lifetime. So I, like, think about being 37 and having a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like the only way this works is because I don't drink. I have a good job. I have healthy outlets. You know, I don't do drugs. I don't smoke cigarettes. I'm not running around trying to put my dick in everything that moves like the only reason this works is because I'm not a young maniac right so it's like when I think about you being able to you know work that out with your daughter and I think about you being you know you say a bar dad and and things like that it's like man I mean that's it's hard not to be 
it's hard not to to be that person when it's you're weird. that young. Yeah, it's, dude. it's funny looking back on it because you're just kind of like, you know, it was I met you guys. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I created this relationship with you guys, and you know, I still have a relationship with my daughter. Thank God, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's not like something where she's. Well, like, you're a good guy. You're yeah, not. Yeah, she a doesn't like hate me. You know, anything like that. Yeah. We have a good relationship, and um, you know, it's a lot part with my partner. You know, she really got me in line a little bit more, which is great. But it's just it's you're that age, dude. You're just and I. I mean, the rock. You know, I talk about the, like the fucking rock and roll ego, and it took a long time to figure out what that was. Right. With a lot of people pointing at me, and it is the right people pointing it to me and sitting down and talking to me about it. But it's like, dude, I'm like. I put on a leather jacket and fucking take a shot of tequila and I'm a real asshole. You know what I mean? Like, well, what the fuck, dude? Like, dude, it's, it's also like, because could... we've been reading forever that people like Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue right. are, are acceptable fucking... role models. Oh, and those were my heroes growing up. I mean, right. Like, I was like, dude, and like, and I've just found different versions of them. Now I'm like a fucking, I'm like, oh, I look at Thin Lizzy more. And it's like looking at their lives and I'm like, dude, these guys are a fucking wreck too. Brian Roberts, dude, that guy fucking like got kicked out of a band by Phil Lina. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Phil Lina, it's... <laughs> Dude, I mean, he's fucking a wild fucking dude. And he's like, they bring in this 19-year-old kid. He's like one of the greatest guitar players that ever. What, Scott Gorham? No, uh, the other one. So Scott Gorham and Brian Roberts are the... That, that era, so oh, I think okay, like cool. fighting and like... Okay, um, cool, cool. You know, all that like kind of really good twin guitar era. Right. And, dude, those are the people that I'm always gravitating to those people. But it's like, why do you care so much about their fucking lifestyle? Their guitar playing is what fucking matters. Have, right? you, ever, have you ever heard the Tang story, the Tang analogy? Uh-uh. So I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show before. I probably have because I really like this one a lot. The Tang analogy is nice. Tay's dad told me this. Tate Hamilton. We used to. We used. You've told me this like in person. Have I told you this in person? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But go ahead. So so Tate Tate Hamilton used to. um, We used to rehearse in their backyard. Like the ruckus practice space was, you know, then the fourth year freshman practice space was back behind Tay's parents' house. And this is when we were drinking and drugging a lot, and we were really priding ourselves on the identity of being the party band. Right. And this is like during the no shirts and shorts and flip flops and <laughs> like sunburns and sunglasses and fucking Jerry taking his pants off era of the band. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like cocky, wasted, and shitty all the time. Right. And we were rehearsing one time, and Tate was like, Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an astronaut. And uh, I found out the astronauts drank Tang. So I went to my parents and I was like, I gotta have Tang because I wanna be an astronaut. So my parents got me the Tang and man, I drank Tang every day. I drank it with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I was just like licking it off my fingers and my hands were turning all orange and sticky and I was getting it on everything. And it was a it was a big mess and just like trashing out the place and spilling it all over the place and attracting flies into the house and whatnot. And he goes, yeah, I drank the Tang. He goes, but I never became an astronaut. Exactly. He goes, because to become an astronaut, it takes a lot more than drinking Tang. In fact, the Tang is just idiosyncratic. It has nothing to do with it. Exactly. He was like, he was like, to be an astronaut, you need a ton of training. You need the right contacts, a little bit of luck. You know, you need to be serious and disciplined and committed to getting to the moon or getting to another planet and uh and it has it has nothing to do with the tang whatsoever and then it kind of got quiet for a minute and then i'll never forget this jerry goes well yeah but if you're gonna go up to space you might as well drink the fucking tang (laughs) (laughs) 
Hashtag tang so hard. Yeah, tang so, so hard. True. I mean, it's it's such a perfect analogy, metaphor, whatever. I was a fucking mix up. Yeah. But like, it it really is. It's one of those things where I was like, I was like, if I'm not at every metal show, like no one's going to come to my metal show. Or, you know, like right. if I'm fucking not like swirling my hair perfectly to fucking this shit, like people are going to think I'm a fucking poser. You know, it's like all this or, dumb or shit that goes through your head and it's like, has nothing to do with that. These thing. ideas of what it means to be cool. Exactly. And it's like, you know, people... You, what do you need that validity for? I, mean, I feel like the less cool I get, the more cool I am. Sleep so much better. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, <laughs> like, dude. I'm I'm getting to this point, and I'm sure I'm sure it will deepen and change and go in totally different directions. Where I'm caring less and less about what people think. You know what I mean? And I I cared so much about it for so long, and I feel like the less and less that that identity becomes. Uh, a priority mm-hmm. the more that like being service to myself and my partner and my child and my family and my friends and you know things that I might do for the community and make an art for you know people and make an art with my friends the more that I prioritize those things over being the cool guy the more I feel I know myself, the more honest I feel I'm able to be with myself, the more, I don't know, the more legitimate, uh, it, the better I feel about myself, the more legitimate I feel as, as a man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone's culture is well a little said. different though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like as we grow into different entities and different people, different groups. You you think of like, as like, that was our class of our being 21 to 30, whatever it was. It's different. You know what I mean? Like, like us talking about like, oh, you never missed a night at Bender's. You didn't miss a Thursday night on Bender's. What what the fuck old man shit is that? We're just old guys (laughs) talking about that. And now there's these kids doing that shit in Denver. Right, right, right. And it's like, dude, they're going to have their little story of it. And now we look at them and like, they think they're so fucking cool. cool. But then like, but like, we're like, but did you find yourself on the way through that journey? Right. And did you survive? It. Hopefully, oh, you do, hopefully yeah, most of them do. Life, right? You know what I mean? That's what it is. But we are, we're like, we're like, oh my god, I want to be like the fucking every rock and roll star that I've seen. And yeah, I don't anymore. I, I mean, I still feel bad about myself, and I'm envious. You know, my like, god, ah, it looks amazing. Yeah. But then, you know, the most your your greatest idol, you can't even imagine the amount of individual existential suffering that they've Seriously, gone through. Seriously, I know. You know, like so many, uh, like... Back they, to the good country songs. Yeah, hey, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> like, it's like, I love Towns Van Zant. I'll tell you. But I wouldn't want to be Towns Van Zant. I'll tell you, that's what, like, you know, chasing around people doing musician plugs and kind of, like, looking for the bands. Because, the you know, the bigger bands are like, you're like, oh, I want to have the big band and put them on my fucking Instagram page. Or, like, I want to connect myself to them. And you talk to me, have these realistic conversations with people. And, dude, like, even though playing music and getting paid for it, like, you know, in our genres, we really can't live on of it anymore it's not really a thing um you i mean you can but you, you have can. to get more creative yeah, and be and more resourceful yeah, you got some different no but going. i under, I understand your point but you yeah. talk to him and you're like you're like damn dude i wish i was on tour i wish i was doing these things and then you fucking sit down and talk about it and you're like yeah dude tour is like exhausting it's really hard it's strange it strains your family a little bit you know it does all these different things and there's not this glitz and glamour to it that you would imagine right. as a baby like kid thinking about rock and roll i'm like dude guns and roses and like you're thinking about those let pantera all that level of shit right uh, for and, one hour a night there is though i'd say yeah exactly like, that one and that's, hour that's, isn't that why that you isn't that it. why you got out of it for the most part didn't you get i mean uh, not not out I'm of not it not out of it but i mean not out of it but you you used to tour 
very heavily when you were TMing full time. Yeah. Is did you find yourself exhausted? You, no, no. Did you did no, you no, find you, did you find yourself exhausted by that? Oh yeah, yeah. But every every night you get an hour, oh, and then so you're like, fun. I can yeah. do it again so tomorrow. It's the and most it's fun just, thing in the world. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah. Especially doing front of house as well. I mean, if you're just tour managing, it's it's all you know work, and you get that payoff too by ha- helping the band succeed each night. But if you're doing front of house as well, then you get to be an artist, and right? Like the the ninja in the band for one right. hour yeah. or thirty minutes or whatever. Dude, and you, know? and you are really good about that. You are an artist when it comes to mixing. I hope you know that. Thanks, yeah. dude. Yeah, of got course. to dance with the band. You've done some good stuff. That's for it. Us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was always fun. Dude. And mix. I've mixed all you guys. It's hilarious. <laughs> I've mixed all your bands. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But the, that's the thing. I mean, like, bitches. you don't know yeah. what the work is to be a musician right. until you try to do it on a fucking local level, dude. And even you do it at a local level, you're like, this is exhausting, dude. I'm just gonna go fucking. Like, so many right. guys, you gotta jump, really love it dude, to stick so, with so it. So many guys jump out yeah. of bands and are like, what is he doing then? And it's like, oh, you're on some like fucking graphic company. You're like, wow. Do you think he likes it? And he's like, well, I think he probably loves it. But he, like, he, he probably also, likes it and doesn't like it, like yeah. anything else. Like anything else, yeah. Exactly. So you might as well keep doing something that, when you like it, you like it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's something that at least produces a lot of rewards. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I never, you know, I guess you feel the, the energy depletion of, uh, um, okay, the the building up of the energy when you have a really good rehearsal and then the fucking complete exhaustion and sheer, like, like you get sucked dry from a bad one, right? Right. Like, and then, but when you have those really amazing ones, dude, I'm never going to stop playing music because of those fucking connections right. that you've made with other individuals in a room for fucking two hours. And you're like, dude, I... Right. I wish we would recorded that. I wish we would have like somehow like always live record. In, can we just always live record? It? You know, but I mean, can we just live in that moment always? You right. can't because then yeah. you'll never know what a bad moment is. Right. Like you know, our bad. Well, well, it, well. That's and and I was thinking about you, Gordo, actually specifically because you know you and I are kindred spirits in this in this regard. As I was riding around and I was thinking about things like chess would not be chess without the limitations. You know, without the parameters, a haiku wouldn't be a haiku without the parameters of a haiku, you know, and there is something that is enjoyable about winning a difficult game. It's like doing a puzzle that makes you want to pull your hair out. And I was thinking about how like one of the things that keeps us doing this and I I thought about you specifically because I knew I wanted to bring it up on the podcast when I like this idea occurred to me is like. Just like I would submit that if being in a band was easy and we just immediately rose to stardom overnight and just took off and everything went perfect right away, it would not be nearly as satisfying as what it is like to roll the dice down in the trenches for your whole lifetime and occasionally get a hot hand. You know what I mean? And like that is like... When you get on a kick where everything is going great and the songs are going great and the shows are going great and you're really excited about a new pro, like, dude, I woke right up this morning. I perked right up when I saw the email that like we have a release date for like our single and our motion comic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's been out for months. We created the fucking thing. But something about like having that Christmas-like event to look forward to, mm-hmm. it's like, Gordo, you have been over the moon excited about the new Granny Tweed album. Yes, indeed. And, and you can even, hear it from my voice. And, I'm so excited. I want to hear that, <laughs> seriously, on a side note. Well, yeah. dude, and even with the frustrations associated with it, which we've talked about, 
I wonder if it would be nearly as satisfying if it weren't for like, it's like climbing Everest. You know what I mean? It's like, I fucking, I yeah. conquered this cocksucking mountain yeah. and I made this motherfucking album and I put it out. Yeah. This That's exists in the world the, now. The, the process of it and actually being able to bring an album into the world is like pretty amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, honestly, for me, it's always a matter of uh, r rather than some like great reward at the end of some, you know, journey or something like that. For me, it's always like, how can I do better than what I did before? How can right. I how can mm -hmm. I how can I possibly improve on what I did before? How can I make it better or different or whatever? Like that's that's really where my focus is. And uh, and especially from like producing the thing and like recording it in my fucking basement, it's like you know, well, I hope I did that right. Mm -hmm. and there's just the million and one things that you feel like you could have done better all the time. But that's right. that's part of what pushes that's part me of being forward. An artist anyways, yeah, you know? that's part of what pushes me forward is just trying to constantly strive for per some kind of perfection yeah. that I'll never. Right, get she'll never, she'll never reach. You know, I'll never see it. But you know, it's you fun to that, try. Dude. You don't know the future. It's fun to try. Is it fair to say maybe that, like, maybe especially in the music world that, or maybe just in the artist world in general that maybe time kind of weeds out the hobbyists you know what i mean because oh, yeah. if you're gonna push it to the next level you yeah. have to tour and stuff and a lot of people can't do that yeah. you know but it's not touring that weeds out the hobbyists it's it's not like a specific thing it's really time because if you're gonna do it for real you have to tour you have to record albums you have to write songs and connect with people you have to play shows Blah 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 blah. Do well, merch, I, I would I would amend yeah. that to say, you have to, if you want to do it more than a hobby, hobby, you have to have a consistent, accessible output of some of sort. energy. I yeah. do think that now we're living in a time where it is more realistic for people to have a career without touring and without playing shows. Well, sure, but I mean, they, it they still all, takes a while to become an artist. It still yeah. takes a long time. No matter what you do, no matter what actions you take, it is going to take showing up and consistency and time. And, and you're right. It does, it does separate the, the wheat from the chaff, you know, in the sense that it's... And, and I also think it goes the other way to where... You will see bands, the more the playing field is leveled, you will see bands at the higher level of, of the, the hierarchy, of the structural hierarchy. You will see those bands when it starts affecting their bottom line. Either they'll kick up dust and throw a tantrum or they'll quit touring or they'll revolt against their fans in some way. We've seen this happen with tons of artists in a lot of different ways over the last 10 years. Some have embraced it, but there are some bands that have like, outright chastise their fans. There have been some who have jacked their ticket prices way up through the roof. There's been some who have sued their fans. That's crazy. You know, there have been some... How do you do that? Fucking Metallica sued their fans. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Duh. Metallica sued their fans, right. you know? Uh, I Money wanna, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kiss, I think, sued their fans. They either sued their fans or chastised them in, in some way. Mm -hmm. Morrissey chastised his own fans. Like, like... There's been tons of artists. Morrissey, uh, Morrissey chastises everyone that's not Morrissey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he chastises everyone that's not. Yeah, good point. But I mean, so we're starting to see this on the other side of the spectrum too, where you've got these artists that are like, "No, goddamn it! Like, I need to make this much money, and I need all this shit, and I need to, I need to be top of the heap, goddamn it!" Like they fight it. 
They fucking cling to it like fucking Charlton Heston and his goddamn rifle. Have man. you seen <laughs> Have you seen that footage of Liam Gallagher backstage behind his show? And he was he's like he's got like tea. He's got this tea. He's like he's like look at this. I gotta make my own fucking tea. I used to have five fuckers just waiting lined up to get me some tea. <laughs> like, now I gotta make my own fucking tea. This is unbelievable. Look at this. I was in the biggest fucking band in the world. I got to make my own fucking take. It's, it's, it's really quite. <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's, it's good. so there's entertaining. This, there's this great video I saw recently. That That's was his vocal like, warm up. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's his vocal. I got to make my own fucking tea. All right, I'm ready to go fucking, on now. Fucking tea. Yeah. I'm not tea. playing fucking tea. Fucking tea. Fucking tea. Fucking tea. Everyone who like was a huge fan of that band like regrets it after you find their fucking personalities, dude. Like really amazing musicians and songwriters, but then like. There was this. No was, one owes you anything. I know. <laughs> one thing I want to say real quick, just to sum that kind of uh, talk up, really, is all you, the only secret to this is what I'm learning more and more. Not that I know the secrets or anything, but is but you've only, got like, some insights. You've been just around a little a long bit, time, just a little man. bit. But uh, you know, I've heard. Oh, is there a magic formula to succeeding or whatever? And it's like no. But I think the only proven formula is is you just can never stop yeah yeah you know and you just have yeah, to push your art and it's gonna pop at some point granny tweed could be on the spaceship to mars because it's kind of like that weird <laughs> futuristic country a little dude, bit dude we've we've talked like <clears throat> maybe good. that's when we're, you pop i mean i think and we're already there i well, think that's, that's problem. your ticket you know and that's when you're like we made it so you I know, wrote. You just, I wrote, uh, you just gotta keep putting art out like uh, uh, a, a couple years ago everyone i wrote i wrote a document that like ruckus has a statement of purpose and hierarchy of values and like like mission statement like we have a document that's cool it's called the manifesto fraterno and dude the number of I mf think i remember when you wrote this did you remember when i yeah. wrote yeah this was so, before the first tour the yeah first european it, it was some, and i sent it to you i think yeah. what's interesting is there's a ton of uh mf plays throughout the whole thing like like use of words but the different values are all mf values and one of them is maybe forever. Mm-hmm. And the idea is it's like, even if we do not succeed now, there is music on the Voyager satellite by Chuck Berry. Right. That is just drifting out into space. I love that. And may one day crash onto some alien planet or, or maybe intercepted by some sort of alien race in the far reaches when we are gone. When all of humanity is gone, right? And those aliens will get to hear Chuck Berry. And theoretically, that music could be passed along from one civilization into the next, into the next, into the next for all eternity, right? So, well, until the end of the universe. So theoretically, the fact that our music is out in the world, even if we're not around for it, the odds that our music will reach someone someday throughout the years is astronomical to even conceive of. And like that is something that is bigger than ourselves to strive for. You know what I mean? It's it's a form of meaning of like, even when it's shitty here, you can go, man, but this artistic creation that I'm making could live forever. How hard would it be to hire a satellite company <laughs> to put the full discography and everything that MF Ruckus has ever done onto it? Well, not so, all of it. Well, <laughs> up to this point or whatever. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Selected the greatest hits, right? Okay. Yeah. Selected. But they don't Cur- need to know that. A curated dis- discography. But, how, I mean, really, 
What would it cost? Couple, couple grand. I well, don't know, just to shoot it into space with our like a rocket. Mars. With yeah. our, with our current, <laughs> probably a little more than that. But I have no idea. But with our, with our current earnings, including our Patreon budget, I would say we would only be able to go with like Uncle Joe's satellites are us. All we got to do is <laughs> get it past the Earth's reach, and then just past that flat Earth experiment. Think of the press, dude. What band has done that, yet? dude? That's that's the way Joe's. Cool. That's the way Uncle Joe's satellite company works. He's like, okay, what I do here is I take. A boombox playing your album you see and i put it on my this here riding mower and i put a brick uh a brick from my, my, my brick pile around back <laughs> my backyard brick pile and i take one of them bricks and i put it on the accelerator and it drives my riding mower off into the horizon and eventually <laughs> When the riding mower reaches the horizon, it will burst through the firmament and uh, fall off the edge of the flat Earth. And then <laughs> there you go. That's how you, that's how you launch a satellite. And it'll keep. And that's playing. how you launch a band into the future. <laughs> <It'll>, <laughs> that's how you launch. A, and it'll keep playing you, that tape because it's got auto reverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like really good lithium With batteries. Solar powered. I got them from Radio Shack and everything. <laughs> that is right. so funny. Well, hey, I think uh, I think we're gonna call it there, man. That was a really good episode, John. <laughs> I'm really glad you had it. Yeah, I'm gonna thanks, see dudes. you, man. That's yeah, good. That's awesome. Thanks, yeah. thanks for sitting in and hanging. Cool. I would love to have both of you guys again, Gordo. Oh, yeah, I love having you here. Those of you guys thanks, who listen Gordo. to every yeah. episode and keep keep getting at us and telling us you love the stuff, I really appreciate it, man. It it goes such a long way. Hearing from Gordo hears from people all the time. I hear from people all the time. Just like people like. Like Gianni came in here today and was referencing stuff from other episodes of our podcast, yeah, and that I, yeah. made my fucking day. Dude, I mean, I will say, I mean, it's funny to be on it, just it's like talking about it. But I've been listening to it, and you got great content coming out. I mean, thanks, man. Really, the last episode, it. Karen's episode, Ben's episode. I mean, like, I'm kind of tracking backwards through it, dude. And, I, and the our, format's great. I mean, our guest are, list coming up yeah. is is solid, man. We have some good people coming up. 2020 is going to be great. We're going to start doing the live streaming more. Like, dude, things are only growing. And when Nug Nation gets going, we're only going to be putting more out of here. And I love you guys. I respect the shit out of you. And I and I really look forward and having all all you guys involved in this. Thank you. Love you, dude. Good crew. Thank you. You know, spending spending a lifetime building relationships with with some serious pros. Like like. I don't have any trash in my life, man. Right. You know what I mean? I don't have room for it. And you guys are fucking great, and I love having you around. So yeah. uh, thanks. Likewise, brother. Yeah. Same. Thanks very Thank much you. to everybody for listening. This has been episode number 74 of the motherfucking podcast. We finish out every episode, and Gianni, I'm going to give it to you since you were the main guest today. Mm-hmm. So you know about the one for the homies segment at the end yeah. of every episode. Oh, yeah. So you can give a shout-out to your band. You can give a shout-out to a friend's band, just someone who has a recording out there that we can put at the end of the episode uh, so people have something to listen to while they're deciding what podcast to listen to next. Hopefully one of ours. <laughs> That's hilarious. Right. I mean, there's 74 episodes. Yeah, for sure. Hey, well, let's I give think... a one for the homies shout-out by just putting one of our episodes at the end of right. the episode. <laughs> That'd be too trippy, I think. People might That's funny. put it on so, backwards. Right. <laughs> so meta, dude. So, so meta. meta. Oh, my god. All right. No, no, no. What? Tell, I think, tell me something. Um, so I, I think we talked about it a bunch. And, like, I do, like, so I would say one uh, the local bands that are coming out is if you do like hardcore and that kind of uh, mixed genre, the No Takers, we were talking about the opening. No they, Takers. They played second with uh, Car- uh, Two words. With Egoista. No with Takers. With Egoista. And then and they're my buddy's band, and they're a great fucking band. Um, and then I know that you're not going to play this, but anyone we'll else. We'll play there, whatever you want. Anyone else that was listening to this and we were talking about Thin Lizzy, the song off of the album Fighting, 
Suicide. The name That's of the song. That's a great song. That is probably, in my opinion, and we can all debate this on the YouTube comments, <laughs> on Instagram, whatever it is. I think that that may be the best rock and roll twin solo guitar that has ever been. Suicide fucking. by Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Wow. I right. swear, dude, like that shit. Cool. I think me... we should do an episode where we get you and Tony on here and to just do. About it. <laughs> I, no, I think you guys should fight with your guitars. Man. Oh my god! I think you guys Whoa. should get in here and play suicide together. Oh, dude, I would yeah. fucking lose my shit. Dude, I've been working on that song. I'm not kidding you. And this is like, uh, uh, it might be like a exposure to like my actual talent with guitar. I've been trying to learn those leads for years now. Like, and I feel like sitting with like people like Tay, Tony and those guys, cause like I'm a metal guy, you know, but that like old school rock and roll lead and how dipped in blues it is and how yeah, it is. It's got like, a swing, dude. Dude, it's that like that, basically that like very like knives edge of heavy metal, proto metal into blues, rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Dude, you can't teach that shit. No, like, you, you can't. gotta like, you have to literally like be immersed with someone or create it. I you have like. to, you have to listen to a lot of ZZ Top and Ted Nugent. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's all these guitar players that and do this shit. A lot of Ace Freely, really. A lot of Ace Freely too. Like, even yeah. though I can, it, it just kind of, Pardon. Kills my soul Dude, to I, listen to Kiss sometimes. It's Ace Freely, you know. Dude, he's amazing. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. I loved hearing like, and you could probably do a good Ace Freely voice, but like he, dude, he's talking about like on, and I loved hearing this. I heard this from um, um, Vivian Campbell, who's also you guys played with him. Um, he was in. Um, Oh, Dio's Dio, band. Dio band. Oh yeah, yeah, we did play with Vivian. Yeah, Campbell. Vivian Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was unbelievable guitar player, and like someone that I've like always like been like, oh my god, this. How does this guy even play leads like this? In Def Leppard as well. Right. Um, so he said something that Ace Freely also said that I've heard in a lot of interviews with these guys. These really amazing guitar players, where they're like, I don't remember the solos after I wrote them. We put them on recordings, and like I have to like go onto YouTube and watch guys play my solos, and then be like, ah, uh, and that kind of shit. Like it made me like feel like, oh my god, I've never connected so much with like mega fucking rock stars in my life because I was like, okay, I don't know how many bands I've been in where I'm like, dude, I don't know the fucking riff to that song, even though we played that five thousand times live. It's like, in there though. Yeah, it's, it's in. It's in, in it your can unconscious. Be, it could be re-evoked, but I thought it. that was the most interesting thing to hear from like these exceptional guitar players, like where they're like, I have, I literally was on YouTube learning the songs for the Dio songs we were going to play on the tour you guys Dude, on. it's a feedback loop, man. It's nuts, dude. And that's that's why you talk about crazy. You talk about space, dude. MF Rockies has already landed in like BC and it's been uncovered. In, 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 yeah, <laughs> dude, totally. No, dude, totally. <laughs> just a tribute band. Dude, actually, totally. You know about. Yeah, there's, a, a big there's, there's a whole thing in the comic. Like eventually, the I, don't, I mean, spoiler alert, but eventually the comic is going to build up to this idea of like the other end of the universe like what we think of as parallel dimensions is just the universe folded on top of itself and like if you were to travel around the entire length of the universe you would come parallel to this point in time again just in a parallel point like a like you think of the universe being kind of like u-shaped like right. a sideways u you know what i mean so if you traveled the whole length of the universe it would take you you know whatever it would take the whole speed of light to travel around the universe, but you would be right above where you were before. Right. You know what I mean? So there's going to be this whole idea of, of that. Yeah. So like in a parallel universe, we're already mega stars. It's just in a, it's in a dimension that we can't see because right. we're okay. traveling. We're subject to the rules of reality. We cannot yet punch through the space-time continuum. It's Love a journey it. to the center of your mind. Make sure <laughs> to check out the Patreon so we can inventate a, uh, a jump 
drive like the event horizon so we can jump to parallel dimensions and go to a time when we're, we're appreciated for <laughs> it'll our be music. real affordable soon i bet <laughs> yeah. so we could actually hit that goal the event let's Costco's get the event horizons yeah. kickstarter going we know how the movie ends we can develop uh, troubleshooting measures <laughs> to uh, to ensure that we never jump into a dimension of pure chaos with that i'm aaron howell <laughs> i'm elon musk and uh i'm uh, what's his name sam neal <laughs> yeah, well, Sam <laughs> Where we are going, you won't need eyes to see. Every time I see that movie, I think he's just going to go, Well, we're going, we won't need roads. I mean, we won't need eyes to see. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, Event Horizon scared the It's fuck the out. best, dude. Scariest movie. All right, guys. Uh, this has been the motherfucking podcast. We're going to close it out with... Uh, uh, we're going to close it out with no takers. And I don't know what the licensing thing would be on on uh, the Thin Lizzy thing, but definitely go look up. Look it up. Never been Lizzie. a better time to find out. Yeah, yeah, never been a better time to find out. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Talk to a mutiny transmission you can find more podcasts videos books comics and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com or just stop in the store in denver and have a coffee sometime 